So, wow, I, I guess we're Star Wars collectors now. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Star Wars Collectors Archive Podcast. It's the Kivecast. Cast. Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird place. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Steven B. Dem. B-Wing Fighters and B-Wing Pilot Action. B-Wing Pilot Action. B-Wing Pilot Action. B-Wing Pilot Action. Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fratastic Pete. Boba has a seat helmet. Tech support by the low ones. Leia Bush is the figure of the month, and we talk about her language and representation in toy form. Sky and Steve put forth the vintage winners and losers from Rogue One, a Star Wars story, anthology, film, a Star Wars story. The Lemcool brothers, Sean and Ryan, join us to talk about their experiences collecting as a team and finding prototypes in the Will Grief Wild. All this, plus info on the third Archive Party on the 79th Kivecast. EP Cribs? Steve, this is a first. Um, yeah. We are talking before we actually start the episode. Now, I've recorded tons of times before we record the episode. Yeah. And uh, it's just like a little thing I get to do because I'm editing. Yeah. Um, but the weird thing is, is that uh, we recorded this episode December 20th. Yeah. And uh, I've had a nonstop cavalcade of family. <laughs> <laughs> My brother Amos came to visit with his family. My brother Ward came to visit. Um I went on a little trip with my lady friend, so I just had no time to edit the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's weird because the figure of the month is Leia Bush, and in between recording yeah. and releasing, uh, Carrie Fisher died. So I thought yeah, I'd call you, yeah. Steve. No, it's it's good. Um, and I I thought about the same thing. I was hoping maybe maybe something like this could happen. So um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad glad you did. Well, I actually just called Steve and left a really depressing message for two minutes, and I threatened to put it on the podcast unedited, but that that was just too sad. Um, yeah. But before we really talk about Leia Bush, you know, let's talk a little bit about Carrie Fisher. We don't, you know, that's not the kind of show that we are. We try not to be like human beings with feelings, um, <laughs> but obviously we don't succeed very much. No, not, um, not too much. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I don't know. The, the thing I, I was thinking about um, – one of the main things is that she really is kind of underestimated, I think, uh, as an actress, at least at least in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and I just thought of something recently. I just saw Rogue One again for the fourth time this morning. Nice. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, this afternoon. And I heard someone else discuss the idea that uh, Mendelssohn's character slips in and out of his Australian accent. Uh-huh. And they yeah. put forth that it was actually intentional. Because whenever he has his Australian accent, it's when his guard is down. And whenever ah. he has his British accent, he's trying to sound like official. Yeah. <laughs> so Princess Leia's mistakes in episode four actually work because when she's speaking in that British accent, she's it's talking that, to Tarkin. That formal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, so that's funny. 
So I, I just thought she was uh, a really great actress. And then, you know, I've um, had a lot of fights with uh, with mental illness, or at least people with mental illness in my life. And uh, it's pretty amazing what she was able to do there. And sort yeah. of on a, on a personal note, this sort of weird thing happened where um, the way that she passed is kind of similar to the way my mom passed. You know, it was right, a, a, right. a traumatic event and then basically losing all consciousness and then on a ventilator long enough for the family to come and say goodbye and then and then yeah. bye-bye time. So yeah. that made me realize something, which was that Princess Leia for me is more of a mother figure and has never been an object of desire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Do you feel the same way, Steve? Yeah. I mean, it's you'd mentioned this just in your message, and it's just crazy how much uh, it was similar to the way I've always you know, thought of her. And, and I, this kind of, it's funny, it relates to a story that I would meant to tell when we were recording back on the 20th, but we just kind of, you know, we were on, on a roll and I, I just, I forgot to. Um, well, Steve, you, your, whole, your story yeah. is going to be more interesting than what I'm going to say. So let's, oh, okay. let's tease it. Let's right. slog through right. my ramblings and then get to your well, interesting story. How does that sound? Sure. And they're not, they're not ramblings. <laughs> well, my main point is, is that like Leia in the metal bikini or whatever has never done anything for me. And no, I don't know either. why. I know she's pretty. Yeah. And she's not wearing any clothes, so that should do it. But <laughs> I think it's because I'm relatively young that I think I've just sort of seen Princess Leia as kind of a maternal figure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's it's funny. That's that's exactly like how when you mentioned that, like yeah, that's really kind of the same way I've I've always viewed her too. Um but yeah, so I mean, do you want me do you want me to tell the story now? Is, no, no, I'm not done yet, Steve. I'm not okay, done yet, Steve. Going. See, this is how you really this is radio gold here, Steve. Yeah. Um, the the other bit is that I also realized that uh, Daisy Ridley, even though she's obviously very attractive, oh. doesn't do it for me yeah, either sure. because I just associate her with my daughter. It's like that, I, that I weird generational the timing. Yeah, um, the weird kind yeah. of timing of it. I just I wonder if some of our fans feel the same way. I know a lot of people wrote, you know, R.I.P. You were my first love. You taught me what it was to be a man. All that stuff, and right. and like people would post pictures of her in her bikini thing. I would get mm-hmm. upset. I'd be like, hey, you know, like show some respect, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this is weird kind of psychological stuff, um, and obviously it's really super duper male centric. So I apologize for for <laughs> females out there because obviously. Yeah. Uh, the the characters are great on their own. They do not have to relate to me in the way that I perceive female characters in my life. Right. Um, but I can only help my own my own perspective. Um, so I think that's been enough of a preamble, Steve. What is your amazing, awesome, greatest story of all time about Leia Bush? That's uh, well, it's not not like that, but it does connect to what you're saying. And and I posted about this just personally when this happened, but um, and it, I meant to bring it up last when we recorded, but. One of my earliest Star Wars memories really relates to Leia, you know, Boosh, and it was the scene whenever I would watch Return of the Jedi as a kid, like very young. Um, whenever I got to the point where she would free Han Solo from the Carbonite, I would press pause on the VCR and go find my mom and make, you know, ask her to act out the rest of the scene with me, with me as Han Solo and her as Leia. So I would just pause the machine. He's standing there frozen next to the TV. And it was all it related to this thing that our, our VCR had the exact same kind of flashing light pattern as the as the carbonite block. And so I just I picked up on that and, and we would act out this scene all the time. 
And, you know, we'd, we'd do the whole thing and we'd end with the, the line about, you know, who are you? And, you know, someone who loves you. And it was all, it was this very like, you know, maternal thing. And it, I loved it. And it just, it always stuck with me that way. And I don't know if that kind of was where my view on her has always come from, where I've never looked at her uh, the other way. It's, it's just been more of this kind of maternal respect. Um, and it was just a sweet thing. That, Steve, you know, if, if our listeners are not crying in their car right now, that is the <laughs> sweetest thing. <laughs> you pausing yeah, it and running just, and getting and read. I, I didn't, I didn't read that when you, when you wrote that, Steve. So I'm happy to hear it now. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's just so, kind of a, a, a weird sidetrack. Obviously the sad thing is that there's a human being and, and yeah, and no, that. no. I mean, it, um, it's, it's just incredibly sad. And, and then with her mom the next day, it's just like I, unbelievably sad. Um, yeah. See, but, yeah, see to, I, to me that doesn't get crazy. me as much cause it's like grandparents, you know, that's what happens. It's sad, but it's part of life. But whereas, yeah. You know, anyway, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get bitter about that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, so there's kind of a weird downer beginning to our show, but yeah. this is a, a pretty major moment, uh, in, in star Wars fandom. Um, because but I, uh, yeah, I, I think just trying to look at it positively as, as much as we can. Um, I mean, I, I take that, I mean, I'll always remember that as a very, very, positive thing and you know if it wasn't for the way that whole thing went down it i don't know it's just it's just interesting how how it can affect people um yeah awesome yeah. well i uh i will now forever whenever i see that scene think of you and your mom so and i think <laughs> everybody else will which is great so yeah. anyway steve uh this will be kind of cool because we're going to like i'm going to like hit stop and then when i hit stop we're just going to say wampa wampa and go into the regular episode <laughs> Sounds good, man. So, uh, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, and um, uh, wait, the, wait, wait, we can't end this. I just have to hit stop, and then it has to go into Wampa Wampa. Okay, Steve? Okay. So, I'm just randomly, I'm just... Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Codcast 79. 79, like the 79 back, Steve. Yes. <laughs> Not quite there yet, right? <laughs> no, we're on the third of the 65 backs. Yeah, still got a ways to go. <laughs> anyway, this is one of those months where I'm going to try to introduce us like we never do. So, <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Sky Payne, and with me from California. I'm not in California, I'm in Rochester, but somebody who is in California is, is Steve. Uh, yes. So, hi Steve. Uh, hey Sky, how's, uh, how's Rochester? <laughs> it, it, oh, we, went, we went sledding today. Oh, oh man. man. It was great. Uh, that sounds... That sounds it, fun. Well, see, it <laughs> snows, and then it gets super cold afterwards, so the snow got yeah. really slick and icy. And uh, uh, we have a creek in the backyard, and if we didn't fall off, we would fall into the creek. <laughs> and my dog, Bo, is a complete psycho, and he just bites your sleds. <laughs> Eventually, he bit my arms. I, I, had, to, oh, no. I had to take him in. But, uh, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, you know, I think last month's episode was fun. I think we had... I think it's good that we're trying to keep it a little bit toiter, you know? Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a, a good idea. So I'll, I'll do my best to uh, to help with that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's okay if we if we go on tangents and stuff. I think it's more yeah. just not biting off more than we can chew. Right. So right. Um, instead of having like eight guests, we just sort of have two. Um, right. <laughs> so we're going to be hearing from uh, uh, Sean and Ryan Lemcool later in the okay. episode. Um, I was actually on the elliptical today uh, at the YMCA where I go three times a week. 
Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it was around 9.30, and I got a text. It was like, uh, where are you? <laughs> and it, it was Sean, and I was like, oh, no, 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 p.m. <laughs> we don't we don't record these things at 6.30 a.m. in California. That would be... Uh, no. Except for that one time when we were going to the UK. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's some, there's some kind of mess. <laughs> so, yeah, what's our figure of the month, Steve? So, I... I'm it's it's Leia in a certain bounty hunter disguise and I, I was just curious before I say how I have always pronounced her name or his name how, how do you pronounce the uh, the pseudonym Well I've always said Boosh okay and ever since uh uh Jimmy Mack even before Jimmy Mack was on the Force cast they used to always make a huge mm-hmm. joke about the the read along storybook LP that used to okay. listen to, and they would call a bounty hunter named Boosh. <laughs> and so ever since I became a fan of theirs 13 years ago or whatever, or 11 years ago, uh, yeah. I've always said a Boosh. How about you, Steve? <laughs> I think I, I kind of started with, with Boosh, and then at some point I switched to Bausch, and now I'm not really sure anymore. Bausch. Um, I don't know. Well, I just learned something this month, Steve. What's um, that? Bausch is spelled B-O-U-S-H-H. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was B-O-U-S-S-H. I mean, forever. I, I Trademark stupidity. Was something in there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's funny. Oh man, speaking of the of the Force cast, uh, did you uh, were you up on the whole Rebel Force radio scandal that happened last month? Uh, only somewhat. Um, well, I wanted to address it. I didn't. Okay. I didn't want All to. Right. Okay, basically. Um, if you listen to those guys talk, um, you can actually tell – if you listen to a lot of Rush Limbaugh and I've listened to a lot of Rush mm. Limbaugh, you can tell that one of the hosts, his main influence is Rush Limbaugh, right? Yeah, um, right. And Rush Limbaugh is a great, great broadcaster, just amazing, right? Uh, I don't agree with anything he says, but um, <laughs> but he's a great you're, you're broadcaster. You're just talking about the, the, the form, not, not the content. Right. And so they yeah. ended up talking about something. We don't even really need to go into it. Um, yeah. But they yeah. ended up taking a pretty st- – pretty heavy sort of like right-wing view very kind of trumpy speech um yeah there's a there's um, a huge backlash and i think steve you and i deserve credit because even though it's very clear that we are on a certain side of the political spectrum i'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure we don't infuse our show with it i i hope not i I don't think so i mean if um, you follow us on facebook you you know you, you know you know, you're not seeing tons of Pepe the Frog on uh, on Steve's um, feed. That, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, it's just something that we try to do, and it may get yeah. it may be harder, it may be easier. Yeah. Um, but we'll uh, we are going to remain apolitical. We welcome uh, uh, fans of of Trump, and we welcome fans of Bernie, and we welcome everybody um, because you actually don't have to believe what we believe to right. collect Star Wars toys. I, I say exactly. It, it's um, it's about about Star Wars and the toys. So yeah. let's yeah, let's keep it that way, right? Should I like, edit that all out, Steve? Nah, it's okay. <laughs> I want to say go leave it in, man. Leave, leave it, it in. in. Yeah. Yeah. So right. we're, so we're talking about Boosh. Yes. Um, and Steve, <laughs> I actually had some time to prepare today. Oh, um, good. Which is all right. which is pretty exciting because yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't usually have time to prepare. Winter break, right? So you don't have to worry about the meddling meddling kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because my <laughs> life is a is a series of Scooby Doo's. Yeah, like, it is. <laughs> who's going to record the podcast? Rah, 
Okay. Uh, oh so, so here's my movie thought about Boosh. Okay? okay. So I am going to read you every single line of dialogue from Boosh. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Yate. Yate. Yo toe. Yo toe. Yo toe. A. Yo toe. Yato cha. <laughs> So that's always bugged me. Yeah, that, no, that, that, is, oh, that is so true. I mean, Ben uh, Burt is obviously, truly a genius of sound, you know, and, yeah, and we're going to yeah. talk about Rogue One a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be one of the main things we talk about in this episode. Yeah. And a lot of people are just spilling hyperbole all over the place saying it's one of the best yeah, Star Wars movies yeah. of all times. One of the main things it doesn't have is like Ben Burt just like inventing like all these crazy sounds and languages mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. this kinds of crazy skill. Yeah. If you watch the scene between between Boosh, Leia's Boosh and Jabba, it's like Jabba's best work. You know, that's where he got Iwanki <laughs> Chewbacca. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Chung Wookie, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> and yet there's like only six words in all of Bush's language. And anyway, it's, I, it's like, I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a, they're going with the like Sergio Leone, Clint Eastwood thing, like just st- straight up, like three word sentences. <laughs> like right. That's it. Except yeah. if you follow it, Yoto yeah. means 50,000. And Yoto means I'm holding a thermal detonator. Yoto. Fifty thousand. I'm holding a thermal detonator. Fifty thousand. I'm holding a thermal detonator. The boosh. The boosh. The boosh. The boosh. Yo to. Yes. Yes. It means many things. So I was wondering if it was like a Chinese thing, you know, where like the intonation means different things. Yeah. I, anyways, I, yeah. I, I do think it was just to make to make it seem more mysterious. But it's yeah. kind of like that scene in Attack of the Clones. I hate to talk about prequels. I'm sorry, oh, Steve. Oh, oh, God. But there's a scene where Padme touches the same button two times in a row, and it does completely <laughs> different things. Yes. And it's like there's yes. so many buttons on that ship. Why? Why? Uh, why? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I um I see what you you're getting at. It's funny you mention uh, the dialogue because I I do have uh, a sort of flip a script flip thing if you want to go into it. Sure. Kind of ties in. Okay. It's getting really really hot here. Flip this script. Flip the script. So um I I unfortunately didn't have a chance to really get into an, the actual screenplay for this one, but I was going back to my my backup, which is that annotated screenplays book, and he actually goes into a bit about um, the whole development of of Leia's disguise character, um, which I thought was kind of neat, especially given where <laughs> the what you just kind of. <laughs> pointed out was that she really doesn't say much in her native language at all. Right. Um, so Richard Marquand was the one that came up with the idea that both Leia and Lando would arrive at, at the palace in disguise. And he specifically thought that Leia should be dressed as a bounty hunter, but said that the audience should know right off the bat who she is. But it was Kasdan who said, no, like keep it, you know, it's obvious, pretty obvious, but keep it, a secret to the to the story until later, uh, and it was Lucas who came up with the idea that uh, she would have 
that mechanical voice in an alien language. And that whether or not he specified she would only utter five words, I don't, I don't know. But, um, and then there's this whole confusing kinda... thing where she doesn't understand Hatties. Yes, right. So I was going to say, like, in this, it's her, her very, you know, basic, I guess, language is, is Ubi's. Right. That's how it's described. Yeah. But Jabba the Hutt understands Ubi's, but she does yes. not understand Hutties. Right. And right. it's it's all just kind of linguistically yeah. all messed up. Now, yes. it's, if it's a 65 back, Steve, that means uh-huh. that it was released before the movie came out, right? Yes, you're right. Um, so... I mean, the card back image just has the helmet on, but it, it, it is clearly labeled Princess Leia Organa with, you know, Boosh disguise in parentheses, right? That, that's... right. And, and the helmet is not on the head. In No, the... no, it's packaged separately. Now, yeah. I think that's the first instance, right, where we have a helmet packed separately from, yes, yes. from the toy. And there's not that right. many Star Wars toys like that. So that's no, one way that, no. that, that Boosh is an interesting figure. Yes, yes. Um, I definitely have never owned this figure, or I've never owned the helmet. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, dear God, I have no idea where it is. I mean, I'm sure oh, I had it's... it at one point, which yeah, is a bummer because yeah. that was one of my favorite. I mean, I loved the the Boosh outfit. I thought it was just great. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a great design um, for a character, and yeah, no, it's it's uh it's just funny. So, did you have have one of those in your childhood collection, like a, as a from your brothers, or was that something that? No, it would have been for me during, oh, okay. during my okay. thing. But okay, I right. just, you were all Jedi, Jedi yeah, characters. But right? the okay. the helmet is just gone. Just forget. Long gone. Yeah. Long gone. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, just one other kind of interesting side note to this, which I think you'd appreciate. Um, so in that whole scene when they're introducing the characters again, uh, Lucas wanted to try and develop the bond between three PO and Chewie some more, and and one of his ideas was for for Chewie to be tortured. Uh, to kind of make 3PO a little more empathetic <laughs> towards him. Really? Which I just thought was really, really interesting, given given our past discussions on, on the whole 3PO and, and Chewie relationship. Yeah. But, that, yeah, that would have been, that been, that been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, we can cool. move on. Yeah, although I do think, Steve, we need to breathe a little bit here. I mean, I know we're trying yeah, to stay okay. tight, but, you know, <laughs> shouldn't stay too tight. No, no, that that wouldn't be us. Right? All right. Well, Steve, I do have some some sky coups. Aha! But I think maybe it'd be good to to integrate the news a little bit into things. News from the stars. Watch out! It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Here's the news. Okay, sure. Um, there's not a ton of news. Um, I will say that Millennial Sky has been very active. You have been very active and, and very successful, if I might add. I mean, you, you're like a pro now. <laughs> well, I've really jumped into the whole Facebook thing. Um, yeah. So well. if you are not following us on Facebook, you are going to miss out on, like, me doing videos. I'm going to get Steve to start doing videos, too. Oh, God. Oh, no. Um, I, you know, so I did a Facebook Live video. I did it yeah. for, uh, fittingly enough, Jabba's Court, right, which is right. one of these groups. You know, one of the themes of this month's episode is, who the hell are these guys? Okay? <laughs> so we're like these old collector dudes, and we're like, who the hell are these guys? What the hell is Jabba's Dungeon or Court or Commissary? Who are all these people? Right. And... Uh, I just sort of follow the 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 idea that just find out, you know. Uh, n- next yeah. month, we're going to be actually talking to the people from the Imperial Commissary. 
yeah, um, yeah. who are number one in the list of who the hell are these people? As far as I'm concerned, like there's all these collectors and Facebook. Basically, things have become so democratized and decentralized yes. that people can collect and be super duper hardcore vintage collectors and not know like half of the other super duper hardcore yeah. vintage collectors. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy when you really like step back and look at it how it is now. It's but I'm I'm glad you're kind of you're. You know, it's not like you're extending all the branches, but you're just trying to to make connections. So I I think that's a good thing. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, that they asked me to do this thing on on Java's Court, and I yeah. was like, sure, I'll talk for an hour. And I talked about the podcast. Um, I talked about you were my you're a little too nice nice to me. I think I don't know. Or was I? That was that was that was a little over. <laughs> okay, well, people have to go back and listen. I don't remember being nice yeah. to you, so <laughs> I must not have been that nice. Well, maybe it was it was the usual mix. Yeah. That's that's good. And and also, you know, I've really been trying to keep up on the collectible of the week thing. So uh, yeah. So I yeah. I posted on. What did you think of that, Steve? I posted a Facebook Live video on the Kivecast page. Yes. Is that too presumptuous of me? Uh, I think in this day and age, no. <laughs> I, I don't okay. think so. <laughs> if this was like when we were first starting and and. I don't know. I feel like now it's like a it's like a standard in terms of communication, and I mean, especially when you have like your collection all right there, kind of in your environment. I think it was really really cool for people to see. Um, it's I mean I haven't even seen it yet, so it's it's like it was nice for me anyway to kind of get get you in your in your natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. was. It was really fun, and I think we're going to do do more stuff like that. I think I'll probably just randomly show items from my collection and talk about them because, yeah. Steve, yeah. our podcast gets like one-fifth of the views as videos do. <laughs> our, you know, I mean, it's just it's just a fact. You know, like people yeah. really like these videos, and so you know, we might as well bring them to them. Sure, sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's just been this really fun kind of social media uh, effort. Okay, Steve, now that I've, I've jumped out for literally five minutes to talk about news, maybe we should go back to Boosh. Okay. So I have, I have two Skykus. Um, one is about the figure and about the way I feel about the mask. It's very okay. poetic. You ready? All right. Wide-eyed visor hangs above sunset's horizon, orange mandible. <laughs> so that's the image of the of the helmet uh, being like a sunset with the sun being also like a mandible. Okay. Yeah. All Here's right. the next one, Steve. <laughs> this is about the character. A yoto yoto. Yate yate yoto bush. Yoto yoto cha. Translated from Ubis that says <laughs> Many different words Bush speaks with multiple tongues Thesaurus bounty <laughs> Well done <laughs> That's well my first done. foreign language <laughs> I, I, Yeah, I you're breaking ground Willing <laughs> Oh, and actually speaking of all the All the, all the f- Facebooky stuff too. I put up another episode, uh, another 
enhanced episode. A, a special edition. A special right? edition. Of, uh, so what of the Chewy the Chewy episode, wasn't yeah, it? Because yeah. Because the thing was the I've been trying to follow the collectibles of the week um, yeah. on Facebook, you know, because there's lots of good stuff. And I happen to get, Steve, the piece that I have been waiting to get the most since I started collecting. I mean truly this... my production grail. Yeah, this is was this the Meccano? Yeah, I finally yeah. got a Meccano twelve back. Yeah, and uh, you know, Steve, actually, I think maybe it's even worth telling the story. You know, why I, not? I I first saw it back in two thousand and five, I think, on an auction. Okay. Yeah, and I lost it for eleven hundred dollars. It was dead mint, and I remember talking to Stefan Stefan Foucault, and he told me you'll have no problem getting one of those for a thousand dollars. <laughs> I was like, okay, could you help me? And he tried helping me, and I didn't have luck with that. Um, I ended up buying yeah. it just off of Facebook. And this is a whole thing. Like, why do you get into doing all this stuff? Why do you work so hard to connect and, and to be all over the place? It's because I got tagged, and uh, and I worked out a good yeah. deal. Oh, that's that's awesome. And it's the most I've spent on anything in my entire collection. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. I, I just couldn't possibly be happier about it. No, that's oh, that's great. And then I did something else too where I also have been very interested in getting a Canadian 47 back. So that's the Forlom offer. Okay. Uh, did, did you see this, Steve? Uh, I don't know if I've seen this, no. Okay, so you know the – I'm I'm a French professor, so I love anything that has the offer with two languages. Right. So I have had a placeholder in my collection for about nine years, and that mm. is a cut card Canadian Chewbacca. So it's a oh. Forlom offer, but it's completely cut in half. Ah, <laughs> and, okay. Uh, right. And I've always wanted to replace it. And again, someone on Facebook was up in Canada, and uh, I thought it was a good excuse. You know, I've been taking my kids to all these funerals, and things have just been so depressing. Yeah. I'm like, let's just uh, let's just go to Canada, and so <laughs> we went to Canada. And it's funny because the kids were like, "Why are we doing this just for the toys?" I'm like, "We're not doing it for the toys." Oh right? no, no, it's it's not just for the toys. <laughs> no. So we ended up meeting at the IKEA in Burlington because there's no stupid huh. IKEAs in my part of town. Um, and okay. The kids learned about the joy of going to IKEA with Poppy. Oh <laughs> boy. Because you don't understand, okay. When you get down to the self-serve furniture area and they have those carts, they are perfectly oh. weighted, they are perfectly oiled, and nobody cares. So I put both kids on the cart, and then I go to one of the abandoned aisles. And oh, I get going yeah. like 10, 15 miles per hour, and yeah. then I'll like put my foot on one of the wheels so it makes it spin around. And We must have been there for like 20 minutes. Uh, we ended up spending like the whole day there, like eating meatballs and. Yeah, so usually it's it's kind of like Disneyland where it becomes like a completely full day. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that no, I haven't done that. That that's that was, sounds good. Yeah, it was cool because it started off, and I you know I I got I got this forty seven back, and I, I'll show the picture in the show notes. It's me in front of the cafe <laughs> at IKEA, uh, uh, getting this getting this great piece uh, from from uh, Mark Schmidt. And, you know, we talked about collecting a little bit. We talked about, uh, you know, what it's like up there. And, you know, it, it was just awesome, you know, to like actually meet somebody because I was – I paid so much for the customs, for the the, oh. for the uh, cheek taba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, <clears throat> it, was, it, was, it was brutal. So I'm like, nope, I'm going all the way up to Canada. <laughs> and then I, I have a, just a piece of news that most people don't know, Steve. Okay. On the way home. 
I decided to stop somewhere I'd never been before. Where's that? Did you know, Steve? There's these things called the Niagara Falls. Dude, there <laughs> is like so much water. It is like <laughs> unbelievable. They're like huge. And there's like all this water. I was like, shh. It's like one of the coolest things you will ever see, Steve. It is <laughs> so unbelievably awesome. I've never been. It's it's one of those things that that uh, it's on my list. I've lived but. an hour from it for the last six years. I feel yeah, like, right. Yeah, you're not a, you're not far. Eh, That's it's right. some water. Who cares? The, the yeah. trick is you have to go to the Canadian side, and ah, it is just okay. it is absolutely worth it. Like if you're trying to think, where should I go? You know, I've been to Las Vegas, or maybe I'll go to you know Texas or something. Just go to see. It's go to, unbelievable. Go to Niagara Falls. Yeah. That's funny. I, I my only like my main association with that was always was it Superman two right where he where he saves her from the falls. Oh yeah, was that's that like there? I, that's, oh, that's, that's like I think so. But that's it's just one of my it's like my point of reference for for this like crazy landmark is some weird Superman movie. But yeah. no, I've, I've always always wanted to go. So glad to know that the Canadian side is is the right side to to check out. So yeah, awesome. So yeah, that was my my uh, Canadian adventure. And it was just adventure. kind of a it's yeah. just kind of a fun way to 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 kind of close out this collecting year because on a personal level, it's been a pretty hard year. And you know, yeah, whatever. yeah. people have been complaining. I mean, I don't take David Bowie's death as a personal affront to me, um, <laughs> but my mom dying that sucked. That's um, that's yeah. But uh, but as far as a collecting year goes, it's been like maybe the best year I've had since two thousand since I started the podcast. Actually, since I got all yeah. these proofs, right? I've, yeah. I've just been I've just been rolling in all in awesome items. Yeah. Um, That's... Well, let's see. I think the the big news that we have, Steve, mm -hmm. is information about the archive party. Now, once yes, second, one second. I want to I want to do this for future listeners. Okay. Okay. All right. Future listeners. You don't want to hear about the archive party. It was awesome. It was great. It was the best thing ever. Okay? So you can skip ahead to – wait. You uh, – when – yeah. You can skip ahead to 43 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> so the archive party, Steve, it's officially set. It's going to yes. be when? Thursday, April 1. April 13th. Thursday, April 13th. Okay, that's the Thursday of the show, April 13th. Thursday, April 13th. That's the Thursday of the show from 7 to 10 p.m. Where? Right. At the Hyatt Regency Orlando Ballroom Q as of now. Ballroom Q? <clears throat> Q, yeah. Q? Q. Q? <laughs> like the letter? Yes. That's stupid. <laughs> Why do we get Ballroom Q? Because it's right off the escalator from the from the the convention skywalk. It's good. Okay. It's good. Okay. Yeah. As of now. Ballroom Q. <clears throat> Q. Yeah. Q? Q. Q? <laughs> like the letter? Yes. In that, in that case, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and once again, the charity is pet-themed. It's the Pet Alliance. Is it really called the Pet Alliance of Greater Orlando? Yes, that that is exactly what it's called. Wow, which is is perfect for for us. <laughs> um, now, yes. Now, how many years has the archive party sold out? Now we've done two of them. How many of them sold out? Uh, both both times. They both sold out. Yes. So that means that every single show has been completely banged out. Everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to hang out. Now we're not going to announce all the vintage games here. 
See, we don't no. have to anymore, Steve, because people want to come. When we started this thing, people were like, what's this stupid thing? Why do I got to do it? <laughs> okay? But we are going to once again have different levels. And the new thing that we're going to do is that we're going to start selling tickets at different times. Right. So if you want to, if you definitely want to get in before it sells out, you have to buy the most expensive ticket. We're not going to do this thing because what would happen is tons of people would buy the cheapest possible tickets. And then basically a bunch of deadbeats would end up at the show as opposed to a bunch of people who want to help out the charity. Um, and the reason that's important, Steve, is how much money do we keep? Zero. Okay, so if we sell a $20 ticket, right, how much of that goes to the Pet Alliance of Greater Orlando? Uh, 20 bucks. But what about like the costs to put everything on and like to rent the room? Like the thousands and the tens of thousands of dollars that it costs to put on this party, Steve? Don't we use the, the amount of money that we raise to, to recoup? Theoretically, no. <laughs> Hopefully, no. That, that's all sponsors. No, it's all sponsors. We don't yeah. recoup. Okay? No. So if we sell you the highest ticket, that's why we're doing it. Because yeah. basically the only thing that Steve and I uh, get out of this is being able to say that we raised a ton of money for charity. And yeah. yes, that's ego, but I don't care. Screw off. We're doing nice things for puppies. What, you hate puppies? <laughs> they hate puppies, Steve. I, I hope not. I, I don't think – you're being a little harsh. It's okay. okay. Q? Q. Q? <laughs> like the letter? Yes. It's going to be all right. So when can the puppy haters buy tickets? <laughs> all right. So – we talked about this, and uh, you, you know, this idea of kind of a, a multi-date sale is, I think, going to work out. Um, the way it's going to work, there'll be levels just like the last party and the party before that. Um, so, do you want to just quickly run down what those are, so people have an idea? Yes. Um, okay. So okay. Let, let's so, start from the bottom. I start from so the bottom. For children, twelve and under. Right. You, you deadbeat. Children who hate animals. Kids. Meddling kids. <laughs> Meddling kids once again. Like, I think the party's haunted. Um, that is going to be uh, – but like, will there be food there? Okay. Uh, that will be under – 12 and under and that will be 20 bucks. Right. The Young Jedi Knight ticket. Yeah. And, and you get uh, Those will be available from the first day because I'm assuming there will be some – Adults buying the the nice ticket that are going to want to make sure their kids get a ticket too. So that's that's number that's the lowest ring. Yes, and then of right. course we have our loose figure ticket, which is twenty five dollars. Right. right. And for that, you get to enter the party and you get food. Yes. You get right. to eat. But I always know, Steve, that the loose figure puppy haters always end up eating the most food. That's okay. <laughs> um, the, oops, uh, is there another canopy back there? Because like. I only got like six. <laughs> okay. Um, then slightly less on the puppy hating scale is uh, is uh, the MOC, which is a thirty dollar yes. ticket. Yeah, and that, uh, that'll get you one of our our character card backs, a a long standing tradition of yes. the archive. Party. So if you don't know what that is, we make fake card backs that feel just like real card backs that feel like real proofs. Um, and they feature parodies of Star Wars characters with animals. Yes. And they're always very funny. We're going to announce them over the next couple months. Um, yeah. They're always yeah. great. They're great this year. They're always great. So um, you can – and they're very collectible. Like the, the ones from the first two parties, they do sell on eBay. They are going to go up in value. 
these are great things, and these parties are the best things that happen in Celebration, so there's a lot of nostalgia that builds up around them. So it's good. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that's the, the MOC. Up next, we have the, the pre-production ticket, which is $35. So you get one more card back. So you get two card backs with that one. Yep. And then, of course, the Holy Grail, where you have yep. 65, you get the coin plus mm-hmm. a set of four character card backs. So you get all yes. the card backs and the Holy Grail. Yep. So if you don't hate puppies and you want to get a Holy Grail ticket, uh, you can get that on Saturday uh, the 21st, January 21st at uh, 11.38 Pacific Standard Time. I, I came mm-hmm. up with that, Steve. Yes, I, uh, I can tell you quite <laughs> quite proud of that. <laughs> and then the next day you can get pre-production. That's on Sunday. Monday you can get the MOC and loose figure. So if yeah. you're a cheap puppy hater, you know, hey, maybe you can wait to get one of the 200 tickets. Um, but if you want to guarantee yourself a place – uh, you want to get that that Holy Grail ticket on Saturday, also yes. because you get all the collectibles, you get all the swag, um, plus you end up helping out the pets. And there's of course one other layer to this, Steve. Yes. So last time we introduced the Supreme Master ticket, which uh, is basically the Holy Grail plus something extra special. Um, I don't know how much you want to reveal about it here. Um, but... You know, let's not reveal it yet. We'll say okay. that, that last year there was mm-hmm. – uh, I mean last uh, – yeah, last year, 2015. Yeah. So when we did yes. it. Was it really only last year? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Wait, celebration was last year? Yep. Yep. Okay. Weird. Okay. <laughs> we uh, – it was the Digby, uh, the Digby wing pilot. Right. And that was great. All I'm going to tell you is this. The, the item that is being made for the next archive party is going to be less centered on your knowledge of the Kivecast, but way, way more broadly appealing to collectors of Star Wars stuff. That's, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yes. And um, I don't know, the other thing we might want to tease is that, that you will have to have a choice between one thing or another. Yes. So that that's another added element. Yeah, it's um, like a sky move right there. Yeah. Make you choose. <laughs> but I want everything. You can't have everything, kid. <laughs> so speaking of broadly popular, Steve. Yes. I think it's time for us to discuss the big news item of the month, which of course is Rogue One and the Rogue One Vintage Winners and Losers. All right. Chapitre 14. La rancune de Rogue. Q Q. Cette nuit-là, personne ne dormit dans la tour de Gryffondor. La rancune de Rogue. Cette nuit-là, personne ne dormit dans la tour de Gryffondor. Q Q. It's time for the Kivecast list of top vintage winners and losers of Star Wars, a Rogue One story, anthology of Star Wars story. La rancune de Rogue. Q Q. I used to wonder. I used to wonder. Like I used to wonder, was I the only one in the world that farted? All right. So, uh, Steve, it never works that every time we record something at a different time than I release it on the show, I mention it. And it's because so much <laughs> of the show ends ends up being about me editing it. So yeah, that's through the true. Computer, yeah, you said that with resignation. Um, so through, <laughs> through computer magic. <laughs> You know, we've already actually recorded the rest of the show. We interviewed the Lem Cools. It went way better than we thought it was going to. 
Um, or even than I thought it was going to. I, it's always hard when you're interviewing two people at once. And we even recorded like the goodbye and everything. Um, and so I got hungry, so I had a little snack. And so I actually I put it up on the enhanced version. <laughs> this is the grossest snack I have ever invented in my entire life, Steve. Okay? Oh, so, no. So this is, first of all, holiday flavor, a little bit of eggnog with nutmeg. Oh. Okay. All right. That's not bad. Now, in my other no. hand, I have some cold egg foo young, some cold pork egg foo young that I'm dipping in avocado ranch dressing. Um, so, okay. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. The thing is, eggnog does not go well with most foods that you eat. Uh, no. So I'm going to put that to the side. <laughs> but anyway, it's been a long night. This is going to be a pretty silly, uh, silly wrap-up here. But I yes. did do one thing, Steve. In the future of the episode, I actually made callbacks to this section, knowing things I would talk about. And, yes, and you, you did. had no idea. I but, didn't. And... But you see, that's <laughs> what Rogue One is. So, first of all, Steve, what is your uh... Rogue One review? While well, I eat some of my egg foo young over here. All right, I'll, I'll try and try and be brief. Um, oh, don't be brief. People, I, people want to hear what you think, Steve. All right. Well, I'll say that, like with any Star Wars movie I've seen. Uh, as a an adult, I guess it took a second viewing to uh, to really kind of understand how I felt about it. Um, I'll say I really like the movie in general. I, I think the core concept is great. I I personally thought the characters were interesting. I want to see you know know more about them. The action was you know spectacular. Oh, and, and, I mean the whole thing. And spoilers. Of... We're going to spoil the whole movie. Oh wait. Wait, oh yeah, we're going yeah. to spoil everybody in the whole movie. If you don't want to hear the discussion of the movie, jump ahead to one hour and thirteen minutes. Good. Now that you've jumped, now that right. you're here, everybody dies. Um, I watched it with my daughter <laughs> on Thursday night. You know, the opening night. Yeah. After every single death, she looked up at me and goes, "Poppy, is is he dead? Poppy, oh. is 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 he, is he, is he dead?" Are they dead? Oh, like man. she was really sad. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so you know, the, my theory on it or my take on it is that the movie at its core is is great, and I uh, think like, you made the the argument that you really should look at it kind of outside of the main episodic series, which I agreed with. I mean, and I tried to look at it that way, and and the fact that. The stakes, as you said, are lower. I think that's good, and I think when it took advantage of that, it was awesome. Um, but I will say that I feel like there's there's a second layer to it that drove me absolutely crazy the first time, less crazy the second time, but it's always going to bother me. And I'll, I'll say it this way. It feels like the movie got a special edition treatment before it was ever released. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but... Um, whoa, Steve! There was just I this. Was out of nowhere. Whoa! I, <laughs> okay, I'm awake now. I, I, I finished right, you're, my you're, uh, egg foo young. I made you finished your eggnog. Ooh, eggnog foo young. I didn't God. realize I was eating both things with <laughs> eggs in it. That's so gross. Eggnog. That's and pretty egg gross. Yeah, that's nasty, man. I don't know. Yeah, uh, please. Uh, if you need to to stop, just. <laughs> um, but no, I. It's just. Like 
Okay, the, the biggest problem I had, I just could not stand the reincarnation of Peter Cushing. Like, it just took me out of it immediately. Like, and I know why he's there. It makes sense story-wise. But once he, like, turned around and was in your face and, like, yep, this this is happening. And it's going to continue to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just, to me, like, it sets a really dangerous precedent. That's that's my biggest thing. It's like, no, now what are they going to do? And sure enough, like, it's funny. I was talking to Bruce White about this a bit with the ending of the movie and Leia. I just, like... Tess and I both just looked at each other with this really uncomfortable look on our faces. Like, what is, what is this? What is right. happening? Um, and all I could think of was uh, Malcolm's line from Jurassic Park, where like he's, they're talking about the scientists. He's like, they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think that they should. Right. <laughs> and that's like exactly how I feel about that whole thing. It just, I don't know. But that said, I, I you know, the whole core of the movie was great like i loved seeing the conflict between the empire and rebellion that that was like the best it's looked in ages and i don't know i mean that's kind of that's where i awesome. stand well we're but, gonna get into more of my thoughts with yeah with yeah, the winners yeah. And losers. i will say yes the thing i've heard the most complaints about is one of my favorite things um and that <laughs> is oh gullet um, people don't like Saw Guerrero. They thought he was over the line. That's the same way that Akbar was over the line. Okay, like he's lies to treachery. Boy, <laughs> got it. Yeah, but, but he's in a. He has a fish head. I mean, <laughs> that's like there's, I don't know. There's that line where he's trying to talk to him about what he does, and the only response is, "Boy, got it." Like, that's such a great line. And the way that the the creature looks, I agree with you about the special edition before it came out. If they just yeah. left the creature in the shadows before the face, before yeah. it actually wrapped up around his right. face, it actually would have looked yeah. good. It was just it looked too goofy when it's on his face. But poor <laughs> Gullet has been my has been my call. I I post it everywhere. I think poor Gullet, poor Gullet knows if you tell the truth. Poor Gullet knows. <laughs> If you've been on other podcasts, you know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, so, I know that. That's that's. So I get it. Every, everyone is saying they hate it now. Mark my words, people are going to love Borgullet in a couple of years. <laughs> so what I have, Steve, are the ten or so winners and the six or so losers from Rogue right. One. It's time for the Kivecast list of top vintage winners and losers. Okay. Okay. So let's start with just a few of the winners, okay? Uh, All right. I think that for number 10, I said TIE Fighters and X-Wings. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that collectors are going to continue to play with them. I think that children today are going to have more connections to them. I think they will with The Force Awakens, but Force Awakens had to do all those updates. So the fact right. that we have new you know the original tie fighters and x-wings looking so good it's only going to mean positive things in the future um yeah i, th I do not think you can add the atat -AT. I, I leave atat -AT as a neutral on this it's not on the list ah interesting um okay. i would say number nine winner are tie fighter pilots and luke x-wing just get yep. together there <clears throat> um yeah and then I would say for the number six loser, Steve, 
says Admiral Akbar. Uh, Two reasons Admiral I, Akbar okay. lost Rogue One. One, All right. he wasn't in it. And everybody yeah. in the theater is like, hey, is that Akbar? It's like, yes, that clearly different fish guy is Akbar. Yeah. So, I mean, I have two thoughts on this. I think it's it's neat that they <clears throat> made him blue because that's – we talked about last episode. Like, originally, he was described as this blue creature, which I thought was kind of neat. Who knows if that's why they did it? I don't know. But the the only problem I have is, like, why make him sound exactly like Admiral Ackbar? Like, why not go full, like, Winston Churchill, like – I don't know. Make him British, like or, you know, have a have a monocle or something, you know, like go go. It didn't have to be so so similar. And for him to say lines almost verbatim, like engage those star destroyers, and like, all right, that's now you're starting to, to irk me a bit. And, but and the other problem know. is he's he's really cool. I think he's really cool. Yeah, he's not. It's not. I'm not saying he's I not cool. I think there's even I a just... chance he's cooler than Akbar. I'm just saying. Oh come! The way he's got all googly come. eyes, he's hilarious. The way he looks, I'm like, hey, what's going on down there? Like, I think <laughs> what's going on down I mean, there I'm could, not... could have the potential of a of a future line. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, I, I liked him. I just I wish they had made him a little more different. So a- Akbar <laughs> is my number six loser. My number eight winner. All right is actually one of my least favorite parts of the movie, but that's 3PO and R2-D2. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So this is my next... I'm sorry. I I got a lot of pent-up okay, energy about this. It, but... I'm just going to drink some uh, ranch yeah. dressing. Yeah, just don't... Oh, God. <laughs> but So, like, that moment is, like, a complete record scratch for me. Like, you, you kind of... You finally... I know people have kind of complained about the first half of the movie kind of jumping all over the place, not making much sense, not really going anywhere. But then you have the, the crux of the movie starting and the momentum building, and then they just cut to them. And it's so just unnecessary. Like, I don't know. Okay, sorry. That, that's so, it on that Yes, point. I agree it was clumsy, but it also indicates that they are going to actually try to make it that every single Star Wars movie has them in it. <sighs> yeah. Which actually kind of stinks, yeah. so maybe they lost. It does. I mean, yeah, I think they lost because this is the this is the the standalone film, the the non the, you know, it's not part of the saga, right? Yes. So why why make it part of the saga that way? That's that's my my take yes. on that. Um I would say that the number 5 loser mm-hmm. is the AT-AT Commander. I mean, that figure Ooh. stinks. No one cares about it. It's stupid. And he wasn't even <laughs> in the movie. I mean, you at least saw the AT-AT driver for a second. But, like... But they were different. They were different. They they weren't the same. Right. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. The whole point is that for a movie, and we'll get to this later, that yeah. had so much Imperial officerness. It's like... The, they oh, yeah. the movie Imperial Officer, like, a million instead of Rogue One because that's mostly what it was. So uh, I think yeah. the AT-AT Commander lost. Um, number seven is fairly yeah. vague. I think Death Star-related items. You know, it's just <laughs> having the story behind the Death Star, it made it a lot cooler, it made it a lot more interesting. The story behind it, I thought they fleshed it out really well. I, I thought so too. Um, and I, one thing that was kind of I, – I noticed right away from the early trailers is that the, it really did look like the original Death Star. It didn't look like a spruced-up – 
modern. They did a good job of making it look real, but still like a model, if that makes yep. any sense. Yeah. So I would say that is the <clears throat> number seven winner. Okay. Uh, would you like a winner or a loser next, Steve? Let's go. Let's go, loser. Ugnaughts. Let me tell you why. Because <laughs> all right, I'm, yeah, let's, let's hear this. Played this little teeny tiny oh, terrorist. Um, right. And uh, first of right. all, there's something to notice. Okay. Okay. There's a couple things to notice, but let's just stick with my original point. So he plays okay. someone who looks kind of like an Ugnaught, but isn't right. an Ugnaught. No. And in the scene where they're fighting, he's actually in a Guggenheim-like tower. If you actually look at where he's fighting, it looks a lot like the thing that he's repelling off on the on the Ugna. Oh. So it would have been oh my God. a perfect Ugna tie-in, <laughs> but it wasn't an Ugna. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing yeah. I want to say is that I thought the movie was brave, and I haven't heard anyone really talk about this. But the, sh- I mean, uh-huh. it was really a lot about terrorism. And it was about it was yes. about the, yeah, the yeah. value and positive meaning of terrorism, which is, you know, what you know. But that's I mean, what episode four is kind of about, you know, freedom fighters or terrorists. And it was really right, fascinating right. to me that they took Sagarera, and they combined Colonel Kurtz, so the character from Heart mm-hmm. of Darkness and Apocalypse Now. You know, the whole first movie right, is like, how right. do we get to this guy? And then you get to him, and he's crazy, right? And yes. Osama bin Laden. I mean, that's who he is. He's he's the ISIS guy. I mean, all those guys who are working for him are you know dressed up like that, and they're doing attacks and right. It's, but he is a hero. He is fighting on the right side. But then they're uncomfortable with what he does. So anyway, I I thought that they right. they really laid it on thick because we should be more uncomfortable with these themes than we are. But it is part right. of what we're rooting for. We are rooting for an insurrection. So. No, no. I was going to say, like, the, some of the stuff, the whole stuff on Jetta was some of the stuff I really appreciated the most just because it was something that really, like you said, hadn't hadn't been touched on or made as kind of morally ambiguous. Right. Or, you know, it. Because yeah, yeah. everybody, not only does everybody die in that movie, everybody sucks. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, the good guys will torture you and shoot you in the back. The bad guys, oh, they'll just kill you just straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so that's how yeah. I that's how I got to that's where I went from Ugnaughts. Um, yes. <laughs> where are we gonna go next? <laughs> number six. You might think they'd be higher on the list and separated, but they're not. I think Darth okay. Vader and Leia are just number six, just together. I think they okay. they definitely won Rogue One, but not hugely. Um, I, I mean yeah. Le- Leia yeah. especially because the it was it was whack the her her face looked whack. It, just, just, but, but even yeah. Vader, I, I don't know how much is really going to help him. I mean, yeah, okay, it's cool to see him kick butt, and that was great to see. But yeah. I also, part of me is sad that that is ruined, that Lucas's grand trick that he played on everybody, where he talked about the prequels, and he knew what everybody wanted. He talked about it in interviews. Everybody wants to see oh, yeah. Darth Vader oh. killing people, and Lucas never wanted to give that to us. Right. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was just going to say is like it it felt like a, a response to that that need and that desire, which sure, it was, you know, pretty amazing and as a thing to behold. But I also like I don't know if you did this, but I went immediately and watched the beginning of Star Wars after it. And it just gave me this weird feeling when he makes his 
original entrance. Like it, it to see it juxtaposed with this absolutely like insane scene, and then right away his original kind of entrance, it it almost felt deflated to me, and I, I didn't like that. Like right. it, it, it's just I'm you know it's just I don't know I. It also to me that the whole ending kind of just made the weight of the the main character's sacrifice like two minutes before like completely dissipate for me like it sure if you want to show it maybe show it a little earlier but no, I, just, I disagree Steve. i think it could I, have I think been it's cool because you disagree it's so bleak to have them all die and then the whole point of the movie is hope so yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be all right i all right i'll give you that but just yeah. but anyway, i i was happy i was happy yeah. that vader's voice they didn't blow it he sounded correct um yeah. I, I think they could have yeah. taken it easy on the whole being faithful to the whack costume. It's like, hey, he's got red <laughs> eye visors. Yeah, but the red visor, the red eye things, like they're lame. And and the, hey, look, his <laughs> his cape looks like he's an old woman wearing a shawl. It's just like the original. Like, why were they so faithful to the worst looking Vader outfit there's ever been? Anyway, I, I don't quite get that. So yeah. I, that's why I kind of put it up as a toss. Yeah. Uh, although his his layer on Mustafar, yeah. I thought, was the best thing you could ever do for prequel fans because oh, that yeah. is the prequel yeah. moment. That is the okay. Right. This is right. Anakin Sky. Anakin Skywalker lives on Mustafar, not Darth Vader. Right. I, so right. I thought that that was great. Um, number five, you might not expect it to be so high, but I'm trying to think about is you know the impact of vintage. The impact on vintage collecting from the success of this movie, and I think the Rebel Commando okay. really yeah. is a lot a yeah, yeah. figure now because that's what all these guys were. They were all like these tired-looking, scruffy dudes. So yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, in a similar way, I would say that the uh, Imperial Gunner uh, was yep. uh, very featured. And I don't really know how these things pan out, but I felt the desire to buy an Imperial Gunner toy when I was watching the movie. Ah, just because the Imperial Gunners had so much action. Like, they set off so many things, and they looked so cool. Um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like they got – I don't know. I, I didn't really see – I don't feel like I saw them as much in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think so. It's – it's definitely not as much as, as the original. I feel like this was kind of it definitely put the spotlight on them the way that the original movie did. And their and their calculator <laughs> firing mechanism. Yes. Um so that's gonna lead us to the top three, Steve. Hey guys, time for an ad break. Listen, I know you could order your underwear on the internet, but why would you do that? That's just silly. Just go ahead and buy underwear, like, at a store. You don't need to subscribe to underwear, either. I Actually, I don't think you need to subscribe to anything. I mean, it's just wasteful consumption. So, just put in promo code KIVECAST next time you go to the store to buy underwear. Mechanism. Yes. Um, so that's going to lead us to the top three, Steve. Okay. So wait, are we, are we going back to losers yet? Sure, or are we, we can go to losers. losers still doing? The number three loser, Steve... I think it's Walrus Man. Oh, because, God, don't Because that even. was the worst scene in the movie where they inserted him. It absolutely, it, yeah. It made, him, it made them kind of a joke. It, it yeah. made them less 
interesting, less fun. I didn't feel like 3PO and R2, I'm like, okay, fine. They're just whatever, Mickey Mouse in the back of a Disney movie. Who cares? And the Leia and Vader, like, it's a little addition or a little subtraction. But with Walrus Man, I just felt like, Oh man, they messed up that character because he's on. They live on Tatooine. Ugh, okay. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, that's that's exactly that's the like that's the second layer that I'm talking about, and I just. Ugh. Um, and I love how we didn't even explain what the special edition was because you said Rogue One was like a special <laughs> special edition. I talked earlier about the special edition of. The Kivecast 16 on YouTube. I don't think I ever even talked about it, did I? Oh uh, well, the the, the chewy yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, we, we mentioned. Well, it, well what but... I'm doing is I'm enhancing old unenhanced episodes. Yeah. And I'm also adding some new content in there. So Ooh. like I did a comparison about like I talked all about the getting the figures because I talked in that in that episode about what my grails were and I like kept. I kept yeah. getting them. So I told the stories about getting those grails in the five years that's interceded. Um, so that's why it's a special edition because you have one yeah. of the creators going in and screwing up the original. Um, <laughs> you didn't have any like gigantic Ronto asses in the, in the, no, but, in the frame but, but at any point. No, but that's what I say. You? Every time I post one up, I'm going to say, get your Rontos. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, keep doing those special editions as we go through, uh, as we go through yeah. collecting. Oh, Which brings awesome. us to the number three vintage winner. And I'd say okay. that is the Death Squad Commander. Ooh. Because much like the Imperial Gunner, he had a lot of screen time. But also, yeah. just because yeah. I happened to last month have found my vintage Death Squad Commander with the helmet painted white. <clears throat> right, yeah. I think it's time for us to officially declare that the Death Squad Commander is also a... Rebel soldier. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, that's fair to say. For all, I'm going to say this for the benefit of our grammar Nazis out there, for all intensive purposes, um, no, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, in the vintage world, if you didn't do that, it was just because you didn't have any whiteout. Because right. the first scene yeah. of A New Hope is so iconic and is so important. And all you had to do was just do a little tweak, and you had those toys. So I think the Death Squad Commander wins on both sides of the Rebellion uh, and, and, the, uh, and the Empire. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The number two loser, Steve, is Kenner. Uh-oh. Do you know why? This no. just what, what's, what's... is going to make – it's actually all of us. It's Kenner and all vintage collectors. <laughs> Because this is only uh -oh. going to redouble the amount of, how come they didn't make a Tarkin? I mean, <laughs> they made Klaatu and like 2-1-B, but Tarkin was like yeah. one of my favorite characters when I was like 20 and yeah. I was watching the movie again. I wanted to play with Tarkin. <laughs> this, is my tar this is the I want Tarkin guy voice. I, 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 like, I like this. You know, yeah. like... He's a really good actor. He's like, have you ever watched the Hammer movies? Peter Peter Cushing would absolutely hate. Peter you. Cushing <laughs> was like so great. He was like a great British actor. I've never seen any of his movies, but people tell me he's really great. And like, <laughs> why did they do all the other stuff? Oh, so we're just gonna get more of that now that Tarkin is more important. Even if he's weird cyber Tarkin, 
Um, he, he did have a good role. I thought he was well written. The voice was good. I, we'll get over the, the uncanny valley eventually. So I think we lose because it'll just continue the most boring debate in all of vintage collecting. Why didn't they make a Kenner? Yeah. And yeah. the reason why they didn't make a Tarkin is because nobody wanted a Tarkin. Suck <laughs> it. Okay. Um, I would say the number two winner are, in fact, Imperial Commanders. All right. That's yeah. the one with the stupid hat, right, Steve? Uh, Yeah, like just the, the officer-looking yeah. guy? That's the yeah. name of the toy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, that that is him. Because this movie <laughs> has so many Imperial commanders, and Krennic is basically a commander, and they're yeah. just they're just yeah. everywhere, and it just made the bureaucracy of the Empire seem a lot cooler. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, bureaucracy is cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then the number one winner, Steve. I think it's pretty hard to, to hard to refute. I think it's still going to be stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah. Stormtroopers were great. They got their asses kicked. The best scenes in the movie were scenes where the the I'm really vulgar this episode. Hmm. I'm gonna have to edit out some of the swears. Like where I call you a complete and total sucker. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know that like like stormtroopers are just super exciting and there's all the different kinds and all that, but they're really Right, right. Just the general trooperness of it. It just made the Empire look a lot yeah. cooler. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. I, I am reading the book, Steve. Uh, I'm actually – Like the – Yeah, the, the novelization. Which, the, like the novelization? Oh, okay. And there is actually a misprint in the uh, audio book. So you oh. know how she's playing with the little toy Stormtrooper? Uh, yes. that's one of the coolest yeah. things. That's one of the reasons Stormtroopers won was uh, – that they had that the little Jin Erso was playing with a toy stormtrooper. So that's the only Star right, Wars toy right. in a Star Wars movie is a, is a stormtrooper. Yeah. Uh, unless you count the weird X-wing thing from Oh, the weird. Force yeah, Awakens. right. Okay, right. fine. One of the two. But in the audiobook, um, it's actually named, and they name it Stormy. Oh my God! So. Of course, uh, at least it should it be Troopy. So that's, it's a misprint. It's a misprint. It's named. His name misprint. is Troopy. It's a misprint uh, in the audiobook. Yeah. Oh boy. Would you think the fact they'd call it Stormy would make me the biggest loser of Rogue One? But Steve, <laughs> would you like to know who's the biggest loser in Rogue One? I have not sent you this list, but I think you know what it is. Uh, I have a Gold good guess. leader, red leader. You know what? Screw it. Let's put in the Mon Calamari ships, even if they weren't in, in, in New Hope. You know, let's really emphasize the Y-Wings that have bombers. Let's have yep. all these X-Wings yep. in there. Let's throw some yep. A-Wings in there. You know what else we can throw in there? Are there A-Wings in there? Well, there was at least the Ghost from Rebels, okay? Oh. There was like two big eh. ships. Yeah, there were some A-Wings flying around back there. Do you know what there wasn't, Steve? You know the one. I, um, you know what, Steve? They actually invented another ship. They invented a letter ship. They invented a U ship. They wanted to stay yes, so far yes. away from the U ship. Yep. From the biggest loser of Rogue One, of course, is the B wing and the B wing pilot. Of course it is. Yeah. No, I, I could have told you that before we started. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
so many ships. You know? And they didn't care if it was in Jedi or if it was in Star Wars. Oh, Just no, go ahead and no. do it. Invent a U-Wing. Oh. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it had yeah. more U-Wings than, no, the New York, than the New York Knicks, and it didn't have one B-Wing. <laughs> nope, not a, not a one. So. Um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty spot on. So really, Steve, um, you and I lost with Stormy and no B-Wings. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. But of course, vintage collectors really win. This just helps us. It brings more people there. Uh, it was fun. It's going to make a ton of money, and they're just going to make more yeah, movies like this, yeah. and they'll make ones that are better, make ones that are worse, and uh, yep. it just keeps feed. It's just like it's like what a, it's like what I said when they sold to Disney. They took our they took what we collect and turned it from Wizard of Oz into Batman. So yeah. it's, some Batman movies are going to be great. Some Batman comics are going to be great. Suicide Squad might happen, you know. Um, but it'll always bounce back and always keep going because there's always more money so vintage collectors win again so now that we've discussed the winners and losers how about we go to our sort of the meat of the show um I think these yeah, guys. Yeah, that, that was the cheese, right? The, yeah, that the was Rogue the, One was the. That yeah. was the cheese. I think these guys work out a lot, so maybe they're like the beef of the show. <laughs> I don't. Do they work out a lot? Who the hell are these guys, Steve? I don't know. I've seen their names all over the place. This is going to turn into some kind of like Mark Maron interview. Lock the gates. I've seen their names guess, all over the place. It's about time we found out, right? Yeah, it's about time we found out. So uh, let's call up Cincinnati and talk to the Lem Cool Bros. All right, Steve. Well, we are here uh, with, you know, we've had lots of brothers on the show, but they've only ever been my brothers. Um, yes, so, that's true. <laughs> so, so we're happy to have uh, Ryan and Sean Lemcool. How's it going, Ryan? Pretty well. Yourself? It's going great. You're just coming home from work. Is that right? Yep. I work late, late, late night. Yeah, where, where do you work? Uh, I do a bunch of different uh, entertainment jobs. I had uh, trivia tonight, so. Oh, trivia. Oh, man. See, trivia is a kind of thing where I'm, like, really good at it, but I'm kind of embarrassed because I think it's kind of lame <laughs> to be really good at trivia. So, like, I just don't do it. But then when I do it, I get really competitive, so. Oh, it's super lame. I just make money on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Shauna? Are you working? No, I am off until January 3rd, so I'm enjoying about two, a little over two weeks of laying around the house, uh, hunting for Star Wars stuff, and waking Ryan up at four hours earlier than he's supposed to get out of bed. <laughs> so, uh, told me that the, uh, it was 9.30 a.m., and it's actually 9.30 p.m. Yeah, so I apologize. This morning I was uh, blowing Ryan's phone up to tell him to get out of bed, and uh, I, I'll give him credit. He was up. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because if we if we have if we have a lead and we're ready to go to their house and they want to meet at, at ten o'clock in the morning, I can't get a hold of Ryan until noon. But <laughs> for this podcast show, I mean, he was he was up and out of bed, so I'm uh, thoroughly impressed. Good job, Ryan. Probably the most important thing for me to know as the youngest brother: which one of you is the older brother? Which one do you think is the more mature <laughs> one? That would be Sean. <laughs> oh, the, the one, the one that keeps the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So so then so then Sean's the older and Ryan's younger. Okay. Correct. And 
you can never quite tell. I am more responsible than – actually, I'm not more responsible than my brothers. I'm a mess. <laughs> um, well, I've, I haven't really thought of a better way of saying it um, other than to basically call this interview, who the hell are you guys? Um, because I think, <laughs> I think that's the question you've gotten the most since you've started collecting. Like, who? And, and this is the thing. It's one of my favorite things about collecting. There was a time where I had just purchased uh, a whole bunch of Chewbacca proofs. Um, and none of the Chewbacca collectors knew who I was, and they saw me at celebration, and they were like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Like, <laughs> so like I've heard your guys' names for years, but I don't really follow things too much. And so I've I talked to Yehuda a fair amount, and, and he knows you guys, and he's like, "Oh, Sky, they're great. Get them on the show." He told me that like two years ago, and and I haven't done it. Um, and so well, I you thought, obviously know not to believe anything he says, then, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's two kinds of things. There's the truth and whatever Yehuda says. <laughs> which which <laughs> can like uh... <laughs> I'm um, just here to tell the truth. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, I think that the main thing that you know, let's just kind of like who let's let's start with uh, let's start with with Sean just because his uh, his phone's coming in a little bit a little bit more clearly. So if someone were to say who are the Lemcool brothers, how would you describe yourself as as collectors? Uh, well, we, I think we come by it honestly because our parents have always collected something, whether it be antique furniture, um, antique tin wind-ups. I mean, at one point, my mom was even collecting antique kitchen utensil, utensils. So wow. we come from family where my parents always went to toy shows. They went to auctions. And uh, we kind of developed a love for the collecting bug when we were little. We started with baseball cards, as a lot of people do. And then we graduated into toys and um, went a little out of control with it, and that's where we are now. But uh, really what got us back into it is I, you know, we're, we're born and raised. We're from Cincinnati. Uh, when I was growing up, when Ryan was growing up, I'm a little bit older than him. So now, now, can we, can we get an idea of what that is? Because I get the sense that you guys are like 15 years old, but you could be older than me. No, no, no. So I'm uh, – oh, I just think about it. So let me guess what means I'm getting elderly. I, I'm 34 <laughs> now. Ryan's 32. Okay. And uh, we've been we've been collecting since '95. So when we started collecting, really, what happened was, um, you know, we we like I said, we've always collected one thing or another. And uh, we were walking through Trader's World, and I don't know how many are familiar um, with Don Gibbs, who used to own a company called Toys Plus of Cincinnati. Well, you know, and let's was... let, let's stop with let's just explain Trader's World because some of our most yeah, of our yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. but let's do a vintage vocab. Can you explain what is Trader's World because it's very important? So, so Trader's World is this gigantic outdoor and indoor flea market. Nowadays, it's more indoor than outdoor. But uh, what would happen is every Saturday and Sunday you'd show up. I think the gates technically open around seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. And you could go in, and it's it's just a giant flea market where there were some people that actually had businesses that they would run out of there, and uh, you could find all sorts of vintage Star Wars stuff. So, you know, back in 95 when we started collecting, there was very little of the modern stuff that was actually at the flea market. The majority of it, which is kind of flip-flop from today, 95% of it or so is vintage. Right. And um, we would go there, and there's a gentleman named Don Gibbs, who I think was actually, he was actually on Toy Hunter, uh, which is kind of funny, but... He uh, he always had the best vintage Star Wars items, you know the the, the early stuff all the way through uh, the droids and Ewoks uh, lines. And so Ryan and I would go in there and we'd save our money up. And at that time, we really didn't know how to go about getting it ourselves, so we had to go through dealers. And he was the dealer that we used. 
And so we'd save up and we'd go in there after two weeks of saving our money. We'd get something like a, uh, a loose, complete A-wing pilot and we'd buy it together as a, as a, as like a team. So we started our collection really 50-50. The first purchase I remember us making, Ryan, do you remember what it was that we made at Don's booth when we decided we wanted to collect Star Wars? Ooh, this is like match uh, game or, uh, what's like the newlywed game? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what we, we talked about trivia to start off the, the uh, <laughs> That's right. The discussion tonight. So let's let's bring it full circle so, already, right? So, so Ryan, Ryan do, you, do you remember the first thing we bought there? First thing we bought there, geez. Um, it had cellophane on it that Don had put over it. Was it a big item or small item? Uh, it was a bunch of small items inside a big one. <laughs> Come on, I should give it right away. Was it a blue snag or no? No. So it was a Darth Vader head case that was filled with, I think. Oh, I remember. 40, 40 figures complete, and it had a, he had taken, like, cellophane or Reynolds wrap and covered it so they wouldn't fall out. And I think at the time it was, like, 200 or $250. And I remember buying it and, being, and, and, and you know, leaving Trailer World with my parents because at the time I was 13 years old and Ryan was 11 and thinking, wow, I, I guess we're Star Wars collectors now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's an awesome place cool. to start. <laughs> the, the funny thing was, like, I – so. You know, career-wise, I'm in uh, I'm in sales and advertising and marketing, and uh, I, I actually vividly remember the first thing I ever can recall negotiating on was before we had bought this from Don years prior. I had gone with my dad to an antique show uh, right down the street from where we live, and I had bought a complete uh, Tie Fighter pilot for either two or three dollars that I negotiated down for five dollars, and that's still in our collection too. Well, so it's, it's kind of cool because that was the first thing I ever vividly yeah. remember negotiating on, which I do for a living now. So right. <laughs> it's kind of neat how it all ties back to Star Wars. Right. But, Sean, don't forget that we actually owned a couple figures ourselves in, in our parents' basement that we found after we saw the uh, the re-release of the original trilogy in the 90s. We found a little box, a little um, fishing tackle box that had a couple figures in it. And this was the time of Tomart's price guide. And like, you know, I wonder what these are worth or whatever. And, um, we started digging through the box and we found a, uh, Imperial, Imperial gunner. Yep. And, um, you know, that was probably both of our favorite figures. It was just so, you know, sleek and so just cool. Yeah. And, um, I remember we looked it up and it was like $75 and we're like, Oh my gosh, these are, jackpot. <laughs> these are amazing. <laughs> we thought we were going to retire right then and there. It's 13, yeah. 11 years old. <laughs> well, it, I'm, it, it's yeah. funny because when I, when I in preschool, so we we like I said, we've always been you know we were born and raised in Cincinnati, and uh, in preschool, I actually remember a kid I was in class with. I'm not going to say his last name for for obvious reasons, but his dad was a um, executive at Kenner, and he would bring in cardboard boxes full of bagged figures, and I know at least I don't believe that any. Baggy examples have turned up, but that's where I got that Imperial Gunner. Imperial Gunner. He came from a Kenner baggy. Now he—I don't think he's a first shot. He's got the markings, and everything in the back of his leg. But all those figures that we had in that box when we had found it—you know—the initial collection when we were children—all uh, originated from the preschool I went to. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, growing up and going to, to elementary school, Ryan, do you remember uh, the, the carnival gifts they used to do at the elementary school? Yep. So we had a, there's a lot of kids, you know, in elementary school, there's what? It's K through four. So there's, you know, five different grade levels. And uh, there were kids, multiple children we went to school with. Their parents worked at Kenner. So the carnival that we grew up with was basically sponsored by Kenner. 
all the prizes that you could win, all the different toys they gave away were all carded in box Kenner items. So it would be anything from Power of the Force, uh, if they had leftovers, like, you know, the lovely B-Wing pilot, where there's a million of those oh, yeah. out there, <laughs> uh, up to, you know, Mask and uh, real Ghostbusters as we uh, as we got older. So it was, it was really interesting because we grew up basically getting free Kenner toys all the time. Um, it was almost like we were sponsored by Kenner in the school. <laughs> Right. Well, that's awesome because you know where you know where I live. There's a a big supermarket chain called Wegmans, and they they run everything, and everything's sponsored by them, and everybody knows somebody who works for them. And you know, it's I guess it's kind of easy now with Hasbro taking over and, and that distance. I never, I rarely think about Kenner as being like something that you would grow up with as a child. But that that makes sense that you had so many. That, that's pretty cool having having friends who. His parents work for Kenner. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because a lot of these kids, I went to their house and I played with their toys and stuff. And now looking back, you try to, you try to, re you try to remember what you played with, right? Like, right. you know, maybe I played with like the White Witch. You know, you, you never know. <laughs> looking right. back, I can't recall exactly what you know the specific toys they were, but I just know I would go to kids' house if they had, you know, just an absolute surplus of action figures and vehicles and. I mean, oh, looking back right. now, I laugh about it. We used to go to yard sales, and my parents would buy, you know, action figures and toys. And Ryan actually has a really good story because the first, the first prototype that we we bought on purpose, which we'll get back to the one we bought on accident. <laughs> the first <laughs> prototype we ever found, Ryan, you want to talk a little bit about your your lunch with one well, of your uh, coworkers? Well, real quick before that, so going back to like the first time you remember Star Wars, um, and of course well, I'll move quickly, but uh, so. When I was about maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years old, I would go get the bus every day at a neighbor's house. And um, I can say his name because everybody knows who he is anyways. Um, is that okay, Sean? Yeah, that's fine. Redacted. Who is, um, or was rather, or is rather, the head sculptor or in charge of the line for the Power of the Force 2 and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. In the 90s for, uh, for Kenner, which became Hasbro, he's still with them today up in uh, Pawtucket. And his mother um, would watch me before the bus every day before school. And um, David, Redacted. I think is what, probably maybe 42 now or so. And his two younger brothers, uh, the one was Sean's exact age and the other was my exact age. Uh, we'd go over there every day before you know, going off to elementary school and grade school to catch the bus. And I can remember, actually I have a pretty fond memory of... Um, Redacted. He had first worked or started working for Kenner and doing the sculpting and whatnot, him bringing home a little box and saying, hey, Ryan, I know you like Star Wars. Check this out. And uh, he opened up a little shoebox, and I remember it as clear as day. It was a skin-colored uh, yak face, unpainted. Uh, there were still pins in his arms, pins in his legs. And the best part is it wasn't Power of the Force too. It was Power of the Force. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I remember actually seeing a bunch of these rare prototypes and actually holding them. And, of course, he said, you know, you can't take these with you. I signed these out of, uh, of the morgue. But it was kind of cool just to kind of see them, in, you know, in, in, in person and knowing that, God, I would love to get my hands on these to have them in my collection, but I can't touch them. Um, so that was kind of cool, though, knowing, you know, growing up with the guy who's now basically the head of the Star Wars line of toys for Hasbro, but back then, Kenner here in Cincinnati. But then moving forward into the, the story, so... I was at a, a Cincinnati Cyclones hockey game, which is kind of like a, I don't know, <laughs> tier two team, whatever, here in Cincinnati. And I was with um, 
a uh, fellow DJ friend of mine who was my mentor in the DJ industry, and we were drinking, having a good time, talking about Star Wars for whatever reason, and he's like, oh, dude, you should come over check out what I have uh, when I was growing up. Uh, it's in my office. I have a uh, this one figure that's all white. Uh, I don't know why. It's, just, it's weird. I think my parents put up at a, at a garage sale, you know, um, for like 25 cents back in like the 80s, and I was like, no, there's no way. You know, this can't be real. All right, dude, I'll come over tomorrow and see it. So, of course, the very next day at, like, noon, I'm over at his office, and he pulls it out. And sure enough, man, it is a first-shot, unpainted Dengar. Wow. And hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I have to do to get this? And he's like, I'll tell you what, man. He's like, honestly, dude, I'm not connected to these things like hardcore like you are. I know you're a big collector. This will look great in your collection. I'll tell you what, you give me a complete set of Star Wars figures, you know, from from A New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, or for the Jedi, I don't care what condition they're in. They could be missing legs. I don't care. And they don't have to have weapons, and I'll just give you this. And I'm like, done. So I go home, grab a box, go to his house, or go, to, go back to his office, dig through the box, find all the figures, and I'm like, is that cool trade? He's like, yeah, dude, you can have it. It's good. <laughs> That's awesome. And I remember I was in disbelief, and believe it or not, this was only about, what, Sean, maybe five or six years ago? Yeah, about four, wow. four and a half years ago. Maybe four, yeah, maybe four or five years ago. I was in total disbelief, like, this can't be happening. And I remember calling Sean, like, dude, you're not going to believe this. I just picked up a first shot, unpainted figure, and we ended up getting it graded. It came back as a 90. And I was just, like, in disbelief, and my brother and I were just like, whoa. But the one, the one guarantee that I made to that friend of mine who I got this figure from was this figure will forever be one of the main pieces in our collection. And I, you know, he basically told me, he's like, don't trade it or sell it. It's yours. I'm giving this to you because I know it's worth a lot of money. I know it's high value. But for us, it's not really about value. It's about the coolness, the, the, the history behind the figures and how the figures were made. And he knew that we would cherish it in our collection. And to this day, every person that has seen our collection one of the things they point out is that specific figure. I'm like, oh, my God, what could I do to get that? I'm like, you ain't touching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's just, an awesome it's, story, it's too, piece. because for that guy, it's actually not a bad trade. I mean, money-wise, he loses out. But if what he really wants is a lot of awesome Star Wars toys, that's a pretty cool way yeah. to, get, to get a complete set and and to, like, to do well exactly. by your friend. You know, that's uh, – Wow, you know, Steve, I didn't expect this to be so heartwarming. I mean, I knew that they, they would be brothers and stuff, but I didn't realize it was going to be talked about little kids. What I love is the image because, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the main reasons I started this whole thing with is, you know, who the hell are you guys is because, you know, on this show, part of the reason we did this show, to be frank, is I used to hang around a lot with Ron Salvatore and he would tell me stories about going to Cincinnati and getting stuff. And I was trying to figure out how can I get these stories out because I love these stories so much. And so part of the show was because I, I'm just passionate about this kind of idea of how are all these things found. And so then eventually I just started hearing everybody who was looking for prototypes in Cincinnati being like, there's these two guys and they keep finding stuff. And these two brothers, they keep doing stuff. I think one of the DJ, I think they always... Uh, do a high five. Did you guys do a high five? I heard something about that. Anyways, so like a legend grew up around you guys, you know, which I don't know if you meant to do that, but it seems that everyone who finds prototypes has some kind of legend built around them. Um, so I now have this image, Steve, of of like Ron and Chris and Todd and Gus and everything running around like in 95 and then like a 10 and 11-year-old Ryan and Sean like just sort of behind, like not really 
in the focus of the of the movie, but they're kind of like the Easter eggs in the back, and they're like <laughs> you know picking up a Vader case at Trader's World, like at the same time, because they must have been there at the same time at some point, right? Oh, I'm yeah. sure, but they were smart enough. They were out. They were outside looking through uh, the trunks of cars of people that had frequented the yard sales all week long. And right. we're going in to get the mark. We're going in to get all the stuff that's been marked up already. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much right. But yeah, so so I think it's fun because really what what's happened is it seems like there's like this sort of second generation of of people trying to find stuff. Um, so I know that's sort of one of the the other fun things. So what's the prototype that you accidentally got, uh, Sean? I mean, uh, yes. Um, so so let, let me. Uh, I'll kind of you know frame the story for you a little bit. So you know we um, we collected. Basically, I collected all the way through high school, and I owned it too. I was proud of it. You know, I think uh, when you're going through that age of your life, it's you know, you're a little awkward, and everybody knew me as a Star Wars guy. And I went away to college, and when you're in college, obviously you have no money. So I stopped collecting for a long time. And and to be honest, I was living in Louisville at the time, Louisville, Kentucky, for work, and uh, I started seeing this show called Toy Hunter. And uh, you know, I, I I've never had a chance to talk to him in person, but if I, if I ever talk to Jordan, I'll, I'll, I'll tease him about it because he created, he basically created the monsters that Ryan and I are now because I, I, I watched the show and I think of the first like five or six episodes, two or three was with Jordan saying, all the best toys are in Cincinnati, all the best toys are in Cincinnati. And he <laughs> kept going there and I saw what he was spending and I saw how he handled the, and obviously a lot of it's done for TV, but I saw how he handled the negotiation and, and, and it, you know, it, it, it kind of alivened that that collecting spirit in me, but it also it kind of also released the beast of competition and uh, the ability to go out there and as an adult pretty much treasure hunt because that's what we, that's what we're doing. I mean, anybody that goes out there and actively tries to find stuff from the original owners are things that have been in the same cardboard box for the last thirty plus years. That's what they're doing. They're treasure hunting, right. and uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Goonies. So it's like the modern day version of Goonies, right? Going out there and looking for one eye Willie's gold. I mean, that's that's what this is to me. And uh, I called Ryan. I remember watching the show, calling Ryan and saying, "Hey, you need to watch this. Tell me what you think." And he called me back, and pretty much that day we we decided to go out there and start looking for stuff. And you know, we started that was small. That was awesome, man. That was cool. Yeah, we we started small. I remember. Uh, Ryan, do you remember that uh, that storage unit we went to? It was like the dead of winter five or six years ago. And this guy had like a complete AT-AT and a couple other things. And uh, I remember spending like 300 or $400 and driving home and feeling absolutely sick to my stomach. Like, oh, my God, my wife is going to kill me. And, uh, you know, it's just you get to a point, it's, it's like this the collecting bug, and you, you become so – uh, numb and desensitized to prices, <laughs> which I guess it could be a bad thing in certain ways. But, you know, we just went from there and uh, we decided probably the best way to help, um, you know, subsidize our collecting costs would be to to buy and sell on the side and, you know, just do toy shows and things like that. So we, we had gone to a, uh, like a little tiny country auction. It's not one of those auctions that's online or anything. We, we knew they had some Star Wars stuff. And uh, I think Ryan didn't. I think I was out of work that day. I remember you went, didn't you? You're the one that bought the box lot of like uh, twenty to thirty figures for twenty dollars, right? Well, it was um, it was a toy. It was a small toy company that went that, that the guy moved away. He was selling off his stock, and at that point in time, I think we had been doing it for what maybe two or three months by now. Yeah, like we had just started. 
um, basically it started actually started out not even Star Wars. It was another auction, and we just they happened to screw up at the auction, and they put something up for sale that wasn't supposed to go for sale until the next day. So nobody was there to buy the pieces that we ended up buying. They were actually original um, early '90s, late '80s Disney store uh, front window uh, models of like the Disney characters. If you remember those in the front in the front window, and um, we got them for next to nothing. You know, we didn't really you know grow fond of them, so we sold them quickly, and we made a bunch of money. So now we had a small bank, and this auction that we that I happened to just walk into. I see uh, a bunch of figures and stuff, and I'm like, all right, I got some cash to spend. Let's see what happens. And uh, ended up winning the auction for a pretty heavy sum of money, but versus what it was, um, it was honestly next to nothing. And then we had asked the owner, and we said, hey, do you guys have any more stuff from this same person? And he said, well, we're not going to do it every week. You know, come back on the same week of the month for the next three or four months, and we'll be auctioning off his stuff. So... Um, we go back the next month and there's a box lot of stuff. And at this point I'm like, okay, we got like all the cream of the crop, you know, last month. Um, let's see what happens here. And we kind of figured, you know, beater figures in a box, no weapons, a bucket piece, you know, whatever. And there were about 20 figures in the box. So I think my max bid on the box was like 20 bucks. And um, I think I got it for maybe $15. It didn't even go to my max bid. And I figured, you know, these figures we already had in our collection, but if nothing else, we'd put the profit towards buying more stuff for our collection. And so I'm at home cleaning the figures. As my brother knows, I'm anal about cleaning every little piece of dust off every figure before we sell it or whatever. Make everything he uses perfect. a toothbrush. <laughs> okay. Yep. I think, uh, Ryan, do you prefer, do you prefer uh, soft, uh, medium, or hard bristle? Soft, soft bristle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> soft bristle. Off-brand, okay. um, off-brand soap is okay. Um, but... Basically, I'm going through the figures, washing them off, thinking, okay, you know, we have, we have a couple extra weapons. Anything that's really nice, I can pair those up with a weapon. The other ones will go into a beater box because they're not worth putting a weapon with. But as we know, some of the weapons are more valuable than the figures if the figure is beat scrap. So um, I'm going through the box. I pull out a hammerhead, and I start to clean it with my brush. And I'm like, that's weird. His eyes aren't painted. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I looked down at his neck, and I realized that his towel was supposed to be brown to match the skin color of his arms and hands and and, uh, and head is still that um, that deep aqua blue. Uh-huh. And that's where his neck's not painted. No, there's no way. I'll look and see if it has a COO on the back. I turn it over. No COO on the leg. Sean, immediately get on, I immediately get on my phone. Call Sean. I go, Sean, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. But he, he can tell that I'm frantic. Dude, I just bought a freaking first shot and a $15 box of figures with a hammerhead. <laughs> He's like, dude, no way. Bring it over here. So I jump in my car, drive 15 minutes down the road, bring it to my brother. He's like, it, it, takes, it takes an hour and a half to get over, by the way. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm waiting the entire time. I'm, I'm always late by 10 times a half, I tell you. It's but, true. Um, needless to say, I cleaned it with a brush, got all the dirt and grime off of it. We sent, Of course, you know, we sent it into the good old AFA. And they came back in '85. First shot, hammerhead. Yeah, we don't we don't do AFA stuff anymore, really. No, well, I mean, it's the, uh, it, it's it's really fascinating. So, Toy Hunter really got you started, which is was what 2010? Is that right? Uh yes, that sounds about right. Yeah, 
if he had never come to Cincinnati, I probably would have never, I probably would have never actively gone after the amount of stuff that we've gone after. The fact that they filmed in Cincinnati, it's kind of like uh, they were on your turf. No, it's not that at all. It's just that, it, it, you know, we grew up in Cincinnati. I think a lot of people, the weather's not the best here. We live in a valley. It probably sounds like I have really bad allergies, but that's what we sound like all year long here in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's almost like, as weird as it sounds, it's like a natural resource, right? Yeah. So the stuff that, that's turned up here hasn't really turned up anywhere else. I mean, there's a few places here and there, but, you know, the majority of it has turned up basically within a 25, 30-mile radius of, of where we were born and raised, and I still live. We both still live. And uh, yeah. I think when you start to realize that and you realize, well, you know what, before I knew about this, like I was already in love with the action figure line, like the movies, my three favorite movies of all time. Um, you know, why not make a go of it? Why not give it a shot? You know, what do you got to lose? And, uh, yeah. and, and that's what we did. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because my main, our, both of our, I think maybe Ryan will disagree with this, but my main goal, you know, the one that got away, I had a chance to buy a rocket firing fet for a thousand dollars when I was 13 years old. And, thanks, uh, mom. Yeah. yeah, thanks mom. And I wanted to take my Providence stock, my, well, PNC, I think it was a bank stock at the time. And I wanted to cash some of it out and buy it. She said, no, no, no. Bank stocks will never go down. <laughs> Well, we don't, we don't know what happened there. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, that's the one. It's funny because everything I, – I kind of look at it, and I'm glad it got away because everything that we have found has been a byproduct of me looking for that one figure. I mean, I um, – you know, one of the places that we try to uh, to advertise to, to get people to uh, reach out to us and, and sell their items to us are I have, like, a little tiny booth of this really big antique ball right outside of town, and uh, I come up with – you know, weird and, and funny and quirky little uh, advertisements. And one of them is I use a picture of a rocket-firing set. You know, the, I would prefer the L slot, the uh, the non-painted, for anybody okay. that's listening. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I put things up there like, um, let me pay your mortgage for up to a year. And I put a picture of that photo with my number. <laughs> or I put, uh, let me pay for a trip for you and your significant other to Bora Bora for two weeks. <laughs> And so I found quirky little ways, and it's funny because, you know, even though, you know, the vast majority of people that see that have never going to have any connection to anybody that has one of those for sale, but I've gotten calls off of it because people want to know the story. And I've even added up the upper left-hand corner of the ad is, yes, I'm serious. No, my wife doesn't know about it. Right. It's funny because every (laughs) once in a while I'll go in there and I watch people read it, and every single person laughs that reads it. So it's uh, it's kind of a good little icebreaker. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I really like I mean, I, I like the story a lot because a lot of times people think about doing something and then they don't do it, and then someone else does it and they get pissed. So like I know you know I I used to go to Cincinnati like once a year, but I didn't go to like buy toys. I went to just like take pictures of the sites of Kenner and stuff. I'd go to the Ohio Star Wars Collector Club meeting, and I would I would like. I went as a historian, but like I never really thought about getting prototypes because I just figured, well, either they're all gone, or if I get them, you know, I'll have to be competing with people who I, you know, want to be friends with or I am friends with or whatever. And so I really like the idea that you just sort of like, hey, wait, we could do that, and then you just did it. You know, and that's that's how this podcast started. It was back in 2010, around the same time. And Steve and I were like, we'll just do it. And it's like, well, why would you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. It's because we did, <laughs> you know? So, 
Um, that's that's awesome. I gotta say, I, I the the reason uh, Ryan and Sean that we decided to talk to you this month um, is for something that I think is much cooler than uh, uh, Rocket Fat. I mean, I've seen tons of Rocket Fats, but you showed something on on Facebook that I'd never seen before. And I think you have a lot of these little things like this that maybe not are as valuable as as uh, Rocket Fat. But could you explain what this little piece of paper is? Uh, explain it to Steve as though he has not seen it. What is the piece of paper with Chewbacca and measurements on it? Oh, it's just a. Uh, my understanding is it's basically a very rough outline for the measurements. Um, I I don't have the my computer in front of me. I think. Uh, Chris G or maybe even Steve York, somebody commented about what they – maybe Ben Sheehan. Somebody com, uh, commented about what they believe the measurements uh, entail, but I believe it may have been for a first shot um, of just the limbs, you know, the arms, the legs, the torso, and, uh, and, and the rough measurements of it. But what I love about the piece of paper more than anything, what caught my eye initially when I found it uh, is, a, is how Chewbacca is spelled, or it's spelled with a, with a U, and it's – you can tell it's in the very early stages of uh, of communication about the licensing and about the movie, and there's some other stuff that um, you know we're kind of holding off on sharing, but it's very early as well. And you know, I think uh, we eventually post that people are going to be pretty excited about it. So, um, you know, I hate to leave you like a like a cliffhanger on that one, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just so cool because it. But is can you tell a story about? You don't have to obviously give names. You can always give pseudonyms, but that's what we do in our stories. We we give every we right, give all right. the all the people pseudonyms, so they have like yeah. uh, the woodchuck and stuff like that. Um, yeah, what, yeah. Do you have a story behind how? So the piece of paper to describe it, it's like a nondescript piece of paper, and it has uh, it has measurements on it, and on these measurements. Uh, it's not really clear exactly what they're for, but it says Chewbacca with a U. And I think Chris Jorgulius was suggesting that it was for, maybe for the hard copy dimensions. You know, let's actually quote Chris here. Yeah! In the Facebook page, he agrees with uh, Steve Rabbit Rabbit Read 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 However you say Steve's last name, not Danley. And he says, it looks like the measurements of a first shot. The math at the bottom is the overall height of the figure. Note that he measures the disc, or the joint size, and subtracted that because it is an overlapping area of the leg and body. And then he is agreed with by other prototype expert, Ben Sheehan. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, go take pictures of my collection, yeah, yeah. What's so interesting about it, too, it's kind of hard to see, and I'll send you a, a photo for the... Uh for the podcast and put it up on there. But um, if you look very carefully, I, I kind of edited the photo to make it a little bit darker, but you could see the faint outline of almost looks like a leg or an arm of where somebody would have written a measurements down and then maybe like scribbled their own little dissertation of what it would look like, or maybe, maybe on the phone and just doing a little scribble of what they were looking at after they wrote the measurements down. So it's kind of neat because you can tell it was something that wasn't meant to be kept. It was, it was something that was probably supposed to be thrown away or entered into some sort of database or, um, you know, put on a more formalized piece of paper. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's definitely interesting that it was kept, and, and not only that it was kept, but it's still preserved in the, in the condition that it's in. And, um, that's why I wanted to share with the community because I thought it was it was neat. You know, I can't really get too much into the story of how I got it. Um, 
And, yeah, uh, yeah. No, Steve, Steve and I are, are familiar with dealing with hyper overprotective <laughs> uh, uh, collectors who find prototypes. That's uh, as long yeah. as you've been collecting, well, not, we, we've been dealing easy. with angry prototype finders. So, uh, <laughs> oh, can I, relevant to the subject, but not relevant to um, Star Wars. Uh, recently, I went on a find, and a lady had the original um, sketches for the uh, what was it, Sean? The Care um, Bears. Oh yeah, the patterns. The original patterns, and you know, I, I was interested in purchasing them, and she was interested in possibly doing a deal. Um, she was a Kenner uh, designer. Um, she worked a lot on, on a lot of girls' toys and whatnot. And when I said I wanted to buy them, her first question was, oh, my God, is this illegal? Huh. And I said, huh. what do you mean? She goes, well, these aren't technically my mine to own. Um, you know, I've had these for 30-plus years. Um, I don't want to be sued. And I said, you know, there's tons of stuff like this that have been sold to other collectors. Nothing's going to come of it. It's not that big of a deal in the whole scheme of things. Needless to say... Um, I said, you know, th think about it, get back with me, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can do a deal tomorrow. Also, the very next day, before I even wake up, a.k.a. 2 p.m. 11 o'clock, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she leaves a voicemail, and she goes, hey, Ryan, this is so-and-so. Um, I thought about it overnight, and you know what? I'm just really not comfortable um, with selling you these pieces. It's it's Sunday, and I'm headed to church, and when I get home from church um, – before, if you call me back, I won't answer until it's done. But when I get home, I feel I feel more at peace in my mind by going home and taking those and ripping them up and throwing them away so that I don't feel like Kenner's going to come back on me. So sure enough, she tore them up and they're gone for good because she was so worried that there was going to be some kind of legal ramifications for her selling those to me. So instead of selling them or even giving them to me, which technically she could have done. Um, now a piece of Kenner history is now gone because she was so worried about it. Wow. Well, can I can I give her a, a nickname? Can we call her the Zealot? <laughs> <laughs> call her. Uh, call, just call her Care Bear. Yeah, Care Bear. The Care Bear Zealot. Oh yeah. My God. Call yeah. her. Bro call her Broken Heart. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Broken Heart. Oh man. <laughs> Definitely not lucky. No, but it's, it's interesting because we've talked to people. Um, you know, one of one of the ways, and, and, and I think I might have mentioned this on. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you see my post that says, "Hey, if you are somebody you know works for Kenner, reach out to Ryan and me." Blah 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 blah. Because we use, uh, you know, Cincinnati is basically a pretty small town. It's like a big small city, I guess you could say. Right. Most people, I mean, a lot of people, there's like two or three degrees of separation, so. A lot of stuff that we've acquired over the last few years have come from, um, you know, people that work there and, and family members that have worked there where we have a, a, um, you know, like a related contact in, in some sense, either a friend or relative or whatever. And, uh, it, it happened recently. Well, I guess it was about a year, year and a half ago. And we ended up some really good stuff from a guy who, what he told us worked in quote unquote, the, uh, he called it the EP crib. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that terminology before. Do you call it the EP crib? No. And here begins the saga of the EP crib. And 
and uh, he has some good stuff, and oh. he had been contacted before, but he was actually petrified because in the late 80s or it was, yeah, I think it was late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, Kenner, the Kenner, uh, the legal brass started sending out um, memos and, and different letters to everybody to, you know, not sell any company property that you, you prosecuted and pay fines or be sued. And there's still a lot of people out there that have stuff and um, they'll, they'll die with it, in my opinion, because they're so terrified of losing you know, everything that they've acquired in their life because of something they remember that was sent, you know, 20, 25 years ago uh, through a company memo with Kenner Letterhead from the legal department. And um, I know some of the guys have chased this stuff for a while. I'm sure they have stories that are similar to that, but there's a couple of the older people out there that, that still are holding on to things that they'll just, they'll never, they'll never get rid of it uh, because they're just absolutely so, and a lot of this stuff, honestly, probably has been destroyed because of that, which is sad. Um, you know, Ryan, I remember, Ryan, remember that guy's house you went to that owned the, the plastic, the injection molding company? And he said, like, what, six months before you met with him, he had gone through and uh, he had found, what was it, boxes? Or do you remember what he had thrown out? Remember the guy over in Kentucky? We got the we got an EP um, X-Wing from him. And uh, remember that guy? Yes, yes, yes. Do you remember what he what he throw out? Uh, do you remember what it was? Uh, I forget exactly. I, oh, I know come that on. he said he had. <laughs> I know that he had said that he had some misparted figures that weren't painted, um, on the cards that he was just like that. These are probably dumb, you know. Pitch them. Um, yeah. You know, which obviously are you know, uh, you know, mock-ups or whatever. Well, first shots. Samples. And did, did he say he would just thrown them away like that year or like twenty like, years ago? Like six months prior, right? I was oh. say, a lot of a lot of the time it was like a year or two ago. It's like, damn, why didn't we get a hold of you then? You know. But um, I remember I actually bought the X wing from. Or I bought a cloud car and an X wing from him only because there was weird writing on the bottom of the cloud car, and um, he had said that the X wing was possibly the same stages of production which would put it at an EP, not a first shot, because it was still marked. And um, upon getting home and looking at it and comparing to a production piece, uh, the X-Wing, actually the, uh, the shield, the, you know, the, um, the cockpit canopy that's always missing, of course, um, was made out of a totally different type of plastic that's like brittle, like I don't even know what you would compare it to, like balsa wood. And, hmm. um, and it was actually a uh, most likely a bench shot, um, cockpit canopy is what is I that what they, is that what they called it? I, I don't. We had we had some other collectors look at it when they're in town, and I, I don't remember the what the terminology right. they used, but, but it's definitely different. But what, what was weird about it is that there was no writing on it. However, um, you know, me being a clean freak, I like to clean everything, of course. Oh no! Um, <laughs> don't, don't mention the blue tangle tooth. Oh uh, uh, yeah, we got to bring that story up. You're getting <laughs> you're getting called on that one. <laughs> You guys ever seen first shot blue snaggle tooth? Paint? Anyway, all right. <laughs> Stick to the topic at hand instead of throw me under the bus in just a minute. Um, so the uh, the X wing, I was like, you know, the, the the canopy is obviously a different type of brittle plastic, and so on and so forth. And I was cleaning it. Well, the um, the yellow the the long yellow sticker that goes on the nose of the X wing. If you're familiar, it's like four inches long or whatever. Right. Um, was peeling, and when I when I went to rub it with a towel, the whole thing peeled right off. It didn't break; it just peeled off because the glue was dry. 
and right under that sticker was a Sharpie marker written number two. Boom. That's it's obviously an EP. Huh. Um, but it had been hidden under the stickers. Uh, so there was no telling, you know, what was written on it. So we did find a number two written on the X, which is kind of cool, you know, because you think it's one thing and then you find out that it's another. Yeah. Uh, and this guy's office for, for years and he didn't care about him or anything. And that was kind of cool. But Sean, go ahead. No, 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 no. Before we get there, though, actually, I realized, Steve, have we ever even because we always have to imagine that there's some people listening who are, are newer collectors. Have we ever even explained what an EP is, Steve? Should we do a full on? Uh, <laughs> we could do a, a recap. I know we did, I think, yeah, and it was years ago. Um, I think it was the Greedo episode that Chris came on and gave a, a quick, a quick one, but yeah, I mean, it's been years, so why not? Okay. So what is a uh, engineering pilot? Who wants to describe it? <laughs> Here's my assumption. My assumption of an EP is that technically it's kind of a quality control piece? Yeah, I mean, I think in essence, right? I mean, it, it's kind of you know they're they're running the first production runs of of a figure and they're taking a batch um, and then basically marking them. That, that's my basic understanding. And just in terms of like the production process, they're kind of right at the cusp of of figures being distributed. Um, Right. Yeah, well, yeah. Then in terms of the vehicles, I hadn't really, th- I hadn't really thought about vehicles so much. I had, I'd seen the figures with the, the riding on on the the feet and all that, but yeah, with vehicles, that's that's a little different. Okay, so Steve, you still haven't given yeah, it, a it, concise it, it, definition it, it, yet. Sorry, uh, that wasn't it. Okay, an engineering pilot <laughs> is a figure that's exactly the same as a production figure, <laughs> except it has some marking on it that indicates that it was used to test either by children or by engineers to make sure. Right that it would be a successful toy. Therefore, it's yes. called an engineering pilot. And it's distinguished by a number on, if it's a, if it's a character, it's usually on a foot. If it's a ship, it's usually right. on the bottom. And there's lots yeah. of scandal because you could easily fake them. And I wouldn't buy an engineering pilot just ever. Um, but that's, that's <laughs> just me. Steve, Steve sold me one. Well, that's why CFAs mean everything. Yeah, we, we, we have a few in our collection. We know the stories behind them. We know the names attached to the stories, um, and we right. bought them directly. I right. think if, if anybody makes that investment or you know wants to add or go that route, they just make sure that all their ducks are in a row in terms of the story and the history or something like that. You know, the, the guy I mentioned earlier that I, I had purchased from through a uh, – actually, it's a family member that, that linked us up with him. He, he explained to me, you know, because he worked in, quote, unquote, what he called the EP crib, his and you can edit this in, in post production or whatever, but he said that his job was basically to climb up a ladder and break shit. <laughs> so he would he would they would pull a lot of toys off the line. They'd open it up, they they'd inspect the quality of it, or it would be sent yeah. over from you know from a vendor in the Orient. Uh, they would look it over. A lot of times they would destroy it. So um, hey, you know, he told he told me stories. He would climb a ten you know a, a six or however eight foot ladder or whatever. And they would drop it, and they would have like an explosion zone where they'll stand around and watch some of the toys they knew were going to break and, and fly into parts. And yeah. uh, we we acquired a couple EPs from him. Um, we also got a couple baggy first shots that were uh, you know the uh, vendor supply prototypes also. Well, well, one one okay. more thing too is that what's what's really cool about the uh, the cloud car EP is you're explaining that basically it's a production piece ready to go out for sale. They just have to make sure it's right. Is that the cloud car we have, which is I thought was really cool, is that they actually circled. Sean, if you remember, there was a bunch of little, um, not design flaws, but like little 
marking flaws within the mold that they had circled with a permanent marker, almost like where they broke it off with a screw or however mm. it came out of the mold. Yeah. Um, they actually circled those um, with a permanent marker showing, okay, we need to, you know, you know, kind of get more detailed with how this looks when it comes out of the mold or whatever. That was kind of cool, too, on the on the cloud car that there was markings like that. And also the EP of the cloud car uh, is sonic is sonic welded together, but the seat that it stands on were never installed. Oh. Huh. Well, I mean, I yeah, think so it's, 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 it's a cloud car that's even more useless. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even land. Well, you know, when I was saying I would never buy an engineering pilot, I think were I you guys, I would have no problem buying them from people who theoretically would have actually sold them. I was thinking more of the kind of kind of secondary market. But you've actually said, yeah. are you saying the EP Crip, the EP Crip, crib. or like the a EP crib, like crib. A crib? Okay, so then what's crib. in the like a big Crip? Okay, so you're not you're not a, a West Coast gangbanger. You, I'm an EP crip. Nah, nah, nah. Okay, no, Sean. No, okay. and I had never heard. Of him, no. I had well, never heard of that term. Going before. back, I'm going back to my crib. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. You're, okay. What is an EP crib? That's basically that's what he did. That's what he told me he did. He worked it with you know. I don't exactly know his title. He didn't have any business cards. He had told me like three or four times, but I was excited about <laughs> making the deal. So I didn't listen probably as well as I should have, but uh, <laughs> I could reach out to him and, 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 and figure out what his exact title was. But he said there was a handful of them. I think, um, I think honestly he worked more like the quality control side, just based off the history and kind of stories he told me. But I, I believe the EP crib might've been more or less where they, I don't know if that was the, the title they gave the area where they broke the stuff. Or where that's where they would bring the, the room that they would pull the stuff off the line or get the uh, the vendor supplied prototypes and and and, um, and keep everything. Um, but yeah, I, I'd never heard uh, I'd never heard that terminology used before, and I I, I I did a quick search and I couldn't find anything. So yeah, uh, I, I definitely. It'd be interesting to see the other guys that have been hunting it for a long time, like Ron or Chris or uh, CJ or any of those guys had, had heard that before either. Okay, so have you ever heard of an EP crib? And Steve, you're you're out in the West Coast, so if you ever meet an EP Pyru <laughs> or whatever, um, I that's yeah, my... maybe that's like a password for tenor people. Like, hey man, EP crib. Yeah. Oh, let me show you the let me show you the good stuff. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that oh, be amazing? Fuck. I just gave it away to everybody. Oh, you did. No. We let them folks change our vocabulary. Change our vocabulary. It's vintage. Okay, Space Freaks, it is now time to end the saga of the EP crib. I got the following message from Sean after we recorded. I confirmed what the EP crib was. I spoke to another contact today, and he started laughing when I brought up the EP crib. It was where the engineers would do their own drop tests and other quality control braking outside of the traditional Kenner standard. They would apply different amounts of force to the items. If it broke, it would be considered a sharp edge and would fail when put through the testing protocol of quality control. If it was poorly constructed and came apart with less than 10 pounds of force, then parents may complain that the toy wasn't well made. And in this uh, message, he also included a photo that I've used throughout the entire episode of them. Um, and it's them together with uh, the wife of the EP crib uh, master, 
with who who used Care Bear fabric to make an octopus. And you can see that on top of their heads, and it's pretty funny. So there concludes the EP Crip. Dang it, I mean the EP Crib. B -b 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 -b. Hey, Sean. What? Just a random thought. The one thing you didn't mention was I think we get most excited when we talk to somebody and they say Kenners. Oh, yeah, Kenners. <laughs> and what, if why do they say Kenner, Kenners? If, if somebody says Kenner, then it's like, okay, they might be an employee or whatever. But the minute they say Kenners, it's like it, it just hits that note in your head like, okay, I want to talk to this person. Huh. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I could be completely wrong on this. And honestly, after this episode, you should go back and have like Chris G in the right hand corner, like you do on ESPN, yeah. back checking everything we discussed. <laughs> oh, don't worry, uh, he does that anyway. Even if we don't want him to, he does. Yeah, that. no, he, he's already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, or have you know, have Gus? Gus is a. Uh, I think Gus would be like a good TV personality. Um, I don't. What was the question, Ryan? I don't remember what you just asked me. I went off on a tangent. Ken oh, so basically, like. Oh, Kenners. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at, like, the old – if you look at the old, like, catalogs and um, it's just a lot of, like, the internal Kenner stuff from the 60s, it says Kenners with apostrophe S. So it's like Kenner apostrophe S. Uh, and it's interesting because every time we talk to somebody or we have a lead or whatever and they say Kenners, it's like I always look at that uh, that little S. Like, visually, I visualize, like, a little money sign in my mind. Like, oh, this person's money. <laughs> you know, they got awesome stuff. Because they said Kenner's. Because nine times out of ten, if they say Kenner's, they work there. Right. It's absolutely amazing to me. That's interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's awesome to have the to to be able to have so much. Because uh, you know, everyone else that we've interviewed, well, not everybody, because we we interviewed a bunch of people from from Cincinnati as well. But it's cool having this sort of growing up Kenner and sort of figuring out how to how to read all these signs. This is a. Uh, I, I think we should probably have you guys back on on again because it sounds like you're going to keep coming up with uh, with cool new stories. Yeah, but 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 first the big question, okay? So okay. I started a collection. Um, you know, obviously, I've been collecting for a long time, but my kids, uh, Sean and Ryan, they both love Ewoks, and so uh, Jordan inspired you to 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 look for prototypes. And you guys inspired me to try something that I think is the craziest damn idea I've ever had, which is uh, I give them Ewoks. Like, I get Ewok stuff, like, you know, uh, storyboards and carded figures, and I'm eventually going to get them pre-production stuff, you know, in down the line when they're at least teenagers. But I give it to them to have at the same time, and I think, that's totally crazy. It'll never work. Two people can't own one thing. But then I think, well, hey, the Lemcools do it. So how in the world do you guys <laughs> – share some and you guys don't sound like hippies you sound like you're you're pretty you know capitalistic folk um how do you share a toy can i answer this sean sure <laughs> how do we share because growing up we didn't share anything <laughs> and, um you know we kind of learned over time that you know sean's two years older than i am and him having a family and me not being married kind of grew us apart and not to be all sentimental and teary out about this, but Go for it. in the same, in the same instance, you know, this has kind of made us grow together as brothers and brought us to a point of, um, equality, I guess, and like something in common. And so we have that kind of knowledge from each other that like, 
okay, this is something we do together. You know, like this is what we do together. This is what keeps us close as brothers. This is what we share that we have in common other than our outside everyday lives. And so because we cherish what the meaning behind it is, that's why the ownership of the items don't matter as much. Um, and I feel like because we have our own jobs um, in how we uh, get these toys and collect these pieces, I'm not going to lie. Sean's the financier, okay? Okay. Um, he <laughs> – he, he puts the money uh, Leave this part for the IRS, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my point is, John puts the money up. I do the the digging and the, you know, digging through silverfish and <laughs> cockroaches and cockroaches and uh, a pile of, you know, rat crap in the, in the corner of a box where I found a vinyl cave Jawa. Um, you know, I do all the digging and he knows that I know what to look for. I'm smart enough with my offers on the pieces that I buy and that I don't just squander the money, I guess you'd say, and that he can trust me. And because we have that trust, whereas he trusts me with financially, he, you know, or, you know, I, or I trust him that he'll keep um, putting the lures out there to get stuff to come to us. And he trusts me with his money saying that, okay, here's my money. Be smart with it don't waste it. And so because we have that respect toward each other and we're brothers, that has actually made us, I think, trust each other more and kind of be open with each other. And once again, it's cool to, you know, and, and I can remember this like yesterday when I showed up at Sean's house with a box and he's like, do you find anything good? And I remember opening up the case and I pulled out a vinyl cave Jawa and he's like, Oh my God. I was like, dude, I know. <laughs> and, you know, I can't tell you what I paid for it because you would. No, you can tell it. You can tell it. I, I've shared it online because you okay. made it so, guys before you put your hand in it. <laughs> so I was at this guy's house or this guy's mom's house. His mom was moving, digging in the basement, bunch of six million dollar man GI Joe stuff from the seventies and sixties. It was dirty as all heck, disgusting. There was nothing really of value per se without spending hours of cleaning and digging through boxes. He's getting ready to throw a box to the corner. He's like, all right, that one's all empty. I'm like, no, that's all something real quick. Come on, bring it back over here. He puts it back on his ping pong table in his parents' basement. And I'm digging through the corner of the box, and there's a pile of little, literal rat poop. <laughs> and I I see something brown, and I pick at it before I get it under my fingernail. Disgusting. It's more and rat poop. Pull out, I pull out a bottle cape dollar. Wow. And, um, of course, I acted cool about it. He's like, well, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, how much you want for it? He's like, give me five bucks. I'm like, done. Wow. You know, so. I, I feel like you earned that one because you risk getting the black flag. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, 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 it's fine like that, that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of times when we'll pay, honestly, really close to retail. But then there's those far Or sometimes places. over retail, right, Ryan? <clears throat> Shut up. <laughs> um, but my point is, like, you know, it, it's those, those moments when you're like, oh, it's like Eureka. I found something that, you know, and I think for me it was more of the excitement when Sean called me. Because Sean, honestly, dude, I'll, I'll go to a, a find. I'll be there for five minutes. They'll start calling me every five minutes saying, you find anything yet? You find anything yet? You find anything yet? <laughs> and I'll be like, well, well he, Ryan's gone to some really sketchy places, too. So, like, sometimes he has to check in with me to make sure he's not dead. It's horrible <laughs> that sounds. I'm being serious. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's been some bad. Occupational um, hazards. <laughs> Yes. No, it's, it's not like it was on gets TV, real Ryan. Really people... quick. <laughs> I've noticed that. Well, well, I go there. It's, it's like, not like it's on TV. 
Yeah. Nothing, I mean, nothing has put me in immediate danger, um, but there's a chance that, you know, if the FBI came in, I could be put in the part of that and then arrested. Um, <laughs> because there was, there was one house that, honestly, I, I, I apologize, but it was honestly probably most likely a meth house. Wow. And um, I bought a bunch of toys there. And, of course, me, I'm just like, you know, you guys do what you want. So I just want toys, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's just me. I'm just like, you know, I'm not, I don't care what they do with their lives. I'm there to get one thing and one thing only. And so the, the, worst, the worst thing is when you ask to wash your hands at somebody's house after digging through their toys, and it's better just to leave with dirty hands than to actually use the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, because the, the water was muddy. Wow. Well, so so it sounds it, like you, you guys like just have a have a good system and and you found a way to share. I mean, the before the the I mean, if you listen to the podcast every month, you know we credit my brother as doing the technical stuff on the show. Um, he hasn't worked on the show in probably three or four years. I mean, he doesn't do anything, but um, he's still on there because when when I really started collecting like vintage stuff and he helped me start my website about Chewbacca. That was the same thing. Like I wasn't married. He was, and like we could like be connected as brothers, even though we were growing apart in our lives, like through this shared love of toys and just total goofiness. So yeah, it's, uh, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And our parents think we're insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They do. My, my poor mother calls me on like on a daily basis. Like you need to have Ryan come over here and clean out the garage. I've been asking. I've been asking this for three months. Oh, and I'm and like, yeah, I'll call him. And I call him. He goes, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> Ryan, is the garage clean yet? <laughs> nope. And her favorite thing is <laughs> say, there's still like, there's still like a, one of those, you know, place school Ewok huts in there and stuff. But her her favorite thing to say is, you need to stop buying, start selling. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here, and what, what, and my, what's my response always, Ryan? We're not going to make it again, Mom. We have to buy it while it's still available. That's right. That's funny. Well, before we get they're to the... Make, they're not making any more of it. But before we get to the lightning round, I don't want to leave the audience hanging. I, I, we were promised... Because the other thing is, because I have three brothers, I love oh, brothers God. busting each other's nut balls all the time. So what is the story about the blue snaggletooth? Oh, right, right. Oh, yes. Okay, so... I lived. You want to hear the, the long story or the short story? Uh, whichever you think is the most entertaining. <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you how I got it because Craigslist at this point is pretty much dead, and I I, I can't remember the last time I've gotten anything good from Craigslist. But um, I was I was working a lot in Louisville, and I think at this time I'd moved back to Cincinnati where I live now. And uh, I was driving home. And I was stopped at a rest stop because I had uh, you know use the bathroom, and uh, as I'm walking, I check Craigslist on my phone. And uh, I see a blue sanitude posted, and it is just absolutely horrible condition. You know, all the almost all the paint's off the boot. There is some paint on the head, but it's I mean it's rough. It um, so you know I look at it, I look at it, you know didn't think too much about it. Leave the rest stop, got to get back in my car. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna call the guy because he got listed for fifty dollars, and this was four or five years ago. So it was probably about you know retail price for one in that bad of shape. And I get him on the phone, and I said. Uh, Hey, can you tell me a little bit more about that blue snaggletooth? And he goes, Oh, it's the first shot. I'm like, what, what, what? And he goes, Oh yeah. He goes, uh, I saw the one on eBay for $3,000 that that guy from Cincinnati is selling, but mine's in really, really bad shape. So I think $50 is more than fair. 
I said, uh, well, does it have a, does it have any markings on the back? He said, no. And, uh, I, you know, well, when can I meet you? And he says, well, I can meet in about 30, 40 minutes. So luckily it, it all kind of, the stars aligned. I met with him on the way back from, uh, he lived in Northern Kentucky. I met with him on the way back to Cincinnati and pulled this parking lot. You know, he pulls it out. I look at it. It, it looked good to me. I couldn't really tell at the time. You know, I was excited. It's a $50 first shot with snaggle tooth and he, he just wanted to get rid of it. And, uh, started talking to him. He said, yeah, you know, I, I listened to it earlier today. He goes, it's funny. You're the, uh, you're, you're the third person that called me. And I asked him, I said, what happened with the other two people? And the first one, the guy had to think about it. The second one was a toy dealer in Dayton, Ohio that offered $40 for it. And I was the only one that said, I'll pay you $50 and meet you right now. <laughs> and, uh, so that's how we ended up with it. And sure enough, it was the first shot. And oh, so God. I bring it home, God. I bring it home to Ryan. Here we go. Yeah, I'm so excited, right? Because it, it's, it is just dumb luck. And, uh, I, I show it to him and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's just as much my fault because I didn't really go online and research it. We were, relatively new to the pre-production stuff. and I'm cut you, you off, know. Sean. Keep in mind that I'm an eat freak. I like to clean everything to make everything look perfect. Sean, go ahead. Okay. Except for stuff in the parents' garage. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, I give it to Ryan. I'm like, what do you think about this? We're both excited. So he's like, well, I'm going to clean a little bit. I didn't really think anything about it. So he goes home. He sends me a picture. And the picture is, and I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a photo of it. So it's of a bald blue snaggletooth with completely blue legs. And I text him and I go, what the beep <laughs> happened to it? And he called me back. He's like, I don't know, man. I just, I put it in hot water and the paint just fell off and it was floating around. I think it's so much cooler <laughs> like this. <laughs> what I said? I said, I said, like yeah, you did. It looks nice again. <laughs> well, no. Oh, well, you, oh, so you purposely got the paint off of it. Well, if I didn't admit it then, I might as well admit it. Yet. Oh my lord! Oh. All right, Ryan. Ryan's booted immediately from all the Facebook pages. Everybody yes. listening. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. This was like before I knew about like. Yeah. So so basically, well, he for, just like Lady Macbeth did. He just cleaned it so much it just fell off, or he intentionally was taking it off. Oh uh, yeah. I I well the story he told me is it floated to the surface. Well, I'm pretty sure that it was hand painted because the, the paint chipped right off. Well, obviously. <laughs> wow. I'm a nail biter. I, I'm a nail biter. I'll admit it. And so my nails aren't sharp, so I can easily scratch things off without leaving a mark. So I was just like, "Oh, cool! The silver paint comes right off. It's not. It looks like crap anyway. Might, well might as well take it all off." Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. dude, you're killing me. Well, it's probably still worth. You guys, bucks. you guys, you guys are witnessing the <laughs> ending of a, of a brothership, a brother partnership right here. You have to understand. <laughs> that. Yeah. We still own it. We still own it and, and display it proudly. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, it's one of those things we're never going to sell. It's you know the, the thing about the way we collect is the story is, is just as much a part of the collecting as the actual items that we get, and that's you know the interactions like kind of what we're talking about now. Like I'm going to curse right now and hang up, but uh, <laughs> you know it's it's the history and and it's just kind of how we acquired things and uh, the stories behind them. I think is so important about collecting. What's so nice about the hobby we're in? It doesn't matter if you buy it from a, a friend that you've made that lives, you know, five or 6,000 miles away across the world, or if it's somebody um, that you know locally, you know, everybody gets things different ways, and there's no really one right way to to add to your collection. That's what's so cool about those hobbies, because everybody goes and, about it in different ways. And, and one more thing based on those stories. I guess I'll one more quick story. I'm sorry. It's just oh, no. It's an important one. <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's not bad. 
Um, this is how we acquired a Vinyl Cave Jawa still sealed in the bubble, but the card is pretty much all but gone. Um, but the card is still sealed and there's no openings in the bubble. Um, and we acquired that because we had met with a guy years ago and we acquired, what, 157 Kenner Baggy. 147. Or 147 Kenner Baggy Tebos. Wow. And um, it was in a, it was in a, a Kroger bag from the from the 80s. So your children would have gone nuts over it. Yes. It was <laughs> pretty amazing. It was ridiculous. And we were at a toy show, probably the, probably the first or second toy show we'd, we'd ever done. And um, a guy that we know happened to have that. And, you know, we got to talking to him. And, you know, what can we trade you? Can we buy that, this and that? He's like, well, it's not really for sale. I'm kind of like fishing around for whatever for offers. And then we pulled out a bag of 147 Kenner Baggy Tebos. And he's like, I would take that. And I was like, really? I'm like, Sean, what do you think? Looking back in retrospect, Probably a bad trade on our part. No, not at all, man. A cut card vinyl cave jaw. That was the first vinyl cave jaw we ever had in our collection. Right. I, wow. I remember driving home and staring at it. I was about to crash on the highway. <laughs> now, that's a good question. Like, oh. Would you trade 147 t for one <laughs> cut card vinyl cave Jawa? Yeah, that is a good question. I, I would do it. I, and, and we actually, no, and that wasn't a full trade. We threw a sealed, we threw a, we had acquired a bunch of uh, sealed seven packs for Return of the Jedi. And we threw one of those into the deal too. So it was 147 TBS plus a sealed Return of the Jedi Villains seven pack mailer still sealed. But and I would I would do it again because you know what we it's in terrible shape, but we have a carded Vonokin Jawa. Yeah. Best part, and the best part is the way we got the Tebos was we based the price we paid on the weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> How much is a kilo of Tebow? So, I mean. How much is a kilo of T-bone? Yeah. <laughs> right, basically. I mean, so it was it was still a good deal for us versus what we paid versus the value. But once again, it was cool to say, hey, Sean, we actually have a Vinyl Cave Jaw. Oh, my God. So and, and it was I, one of those things. The, where it's the, like, the nice thing, too, about the, the Blue Snaggletooth story is, is, you know, I forget what episode it is, but Steve and I shared the story of the of the people who accidentally – you graded a uh, oh yeah, Luke. that's right. So yeah. you're gonna have to work oh. a lot harder to have a story that makes you groan. Uh, we have to go back <laughs> and listen to my good friend Tom Quinn tell the story. Yeah, about, that, it's still that, so oh funny. My God. It's still so funny. So the pain then, is real. Yeah, <laughs> but but that yeah. Snaggletooth could be like a great you know will always that will always be more valuable and less. Valuable, you know what I mean? It'll be always be more meaningful, less valuable. Oh yeah, that it, that is in that shape. Right. But but Steve and I, we definitely need to have you guys on more to tell more stories because uh, your stories are awesome and they're fun and they're unexpected. I didn't expect them to be this much fun. But we do need to move oh, on to our, our, our. I know you have more, so we're gonna have to get more. But we need to do we need to do a lightning round. Now. So you ready? You can, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Wait, are we, we gonna start with Ryan or me? Uh, we'll we'll do we'll one, for, one for each of you. So, All right, cool. So I'll ask the same question to both of you. And if you if you need time to answer it, it's okay because I can just edit out your pauses. So don't don't worry if you go, um, mm, I don't know. Okay. What is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? Ooh. Now, I, and I, I thought favorite... it smelled bad on the inside. Okay. <laughs> on the outside. On the outside. I ruined it. See, it's so bad I ruined it. And I thought this would have been on the outside. That's the best. Favorite bad line? Yes. Oh, God. Um, 
thinking. Just, just so you know, mine used to be uh, Pilot Land over there by that assembly area. My new favorite bad line from the Star Wars movie is, Borgullet! That may actually be my favorite set of syllables in the world. Um, do, do you uh, do you have one, Ryan? I honestly probably would have to say, I love you. I know. All right. Very controversial choices as yeah. lines. Okay. Um, now, we actually haven't really got too specific with exactly what items you collect. I mean, I get the sense that you're not focus collector, so, so maybe you don't have one, but uh, what is each of your uh, grail items that you're looking for? Let's start this one with uh, Ryan. Um, I'd probably have to say a piece that we sold because we needed to get more finances to buy more collections. And Sean knows exactly what I'm talking about. It, yeah. it was a Empire Strikes Back action display stand in huh. the box. Wow. And so, so you sold that, but getting it back is your grill. Yeah, honestly, if I could get the exact same one back, even though that the left side flaps were totally gone, I think looking back, that was like the one piece. Cause I got so excited that I even contacted uh, Steve Sansweet about it because I knew that it was a rare piece. Um, and it was accidentally purchased for basically nothing because Sean thought it was mouse-eaten garbage. And, it was. It had water damage, too. Um, we it, sat my, it sat on my garage floor for three months. Oh, man. <laughs> And we I didn't know what it was. We we had just gotten back into it, so this was like the second. I think this is the second buy we ever did. Um, I went to a guy's house, and uh, yeah, Sean spent five hundred dollars in the lot and was like basically choking on his own spit because he thought he had just totally blown his money on nothing. So my <laughs> wife was really upset with me because it was in the yeah. garage. She came home from work and she yeah, uh, it but, looked but, like it looked horrible. But 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 looking back, the hard piece to find, and I honestly would love to have that exact piece. I honestly wouldn't even want to want in better tradition. I would want that exact same piece just because it's kind of brought us in a way. It's kind of like helped you know give us crutches to be where we are now. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I did. All right, Sean. How about you? Oh, rocket firing fat L slot unpainted. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just I mean it's amazing to me. I've talked to people that have them and. Uh, you know, the, the thing that drives me absolutely insane, and I, I, other guys that have talked to 10 or people or, or, you know, people that have this, oh, yeah, I have one of those. It's my safe deposit box at the bank. And, and I always, my response is always, that's fine if you're going to keep it, but for the, for the love of God, please display it. Please have it somewhere in your house that has a meaning to it that you can look at it and people will look at it and enjoy it. Don't keep it in a safe deposit box in the dark. Please, please do not do that. Yeah. So that's always what I kind of say to them when they give me that line. Okay. All right. Now. But yeah, that's why that's that's the grail. Okay. Now, uh, do you where do you keep the collection? Is it in Sean's or Ryan's house? It's in my parents' house. Oh wow. Okay. So if if and and, and and the thing well we we both have so I have I have some of the collection in my Watch house displayed and then Ryan has some at his house as well. Um, but when I, it's funny. I know we're doing a lot here. I have a quick story. My, well, I started dating my wife. Uh, first time I introduced her to the parent, my parents, my, my mom said, hey, you should bring her down and show her the, your collection in the basement. And I hadn't told her at the time because I liked <laughs> her so much. And I was, like, terrified what her response would be. And she's like, what's down there? And I didn't want to tell her. So she went down. And she looked at it. She goes, 
I think it's really cool that you enjoy this. I, I think nerds are hot, and I was I knew right then and then we were going to make babies and have a family together. So <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> That's well, awesome. And the good news is, Frank, in, in high school, every time I brought a girl downstairs, I saw me with my brothers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Okay, so so if if all of your collection were in one room and uh, it, it suddenly caught fire and you could only grab one item, what item would you take? Uh, first of all, I'd yell at Ryan for smoking in the house. Second <laughs> off, I would. <laughs> I would grab. Uh, I would grab the yaks. We have this um, in our in our loose collection that we share. We have uh, we've got a yak face, and uh, the reason it's special to me is because. We only have one grandparent that's still alive, and uh, my grandma Mabel, who uh, she, you know, growing up, we, you know, my parents always gave us the world, but we didn't, it's not like we had a ton of money. So when we were 13, 11, the one figure we always wanted that we said before was a yak face. You know, that was, at that time in our life, that was the grail. And uh, my parents went up to, to Trader's World with us one day, and, and uh, Don Gibbs, on the back of his business card, wrote, I have a yak face coming. Um, tomorrow, and then wrote. I, I think he may have wrote the price on it. We still have the card in our collection. One seventy-five. Um, well, yeah, one, I have a yak face coming. One seventy-five. So my mom went. That my parents went back up the next day. We were distracted, and uh, my grandma with you know the, the the Christmas money that she would have given toward us, you know, a gift for us that year. My parents bought that yak face, and we opened it. And I remember my grandma gave it to us. That was our joint Christmas present that year, and it was that yak face. And uh, it's important to us because, you know, when, you know, my, my grandma's not going to live forever. She's in her 90s, and I love her to death. But she, uh, you know, that's one of the things I remember. I can't remember any other gift she's given me, but I huh. remember that gift. And, that's uh, awesome. So that's important to me. And the fact that we have the card where he, you know, he flipped it to my parents right right behind our backs um, is it, so cool. That, yeah, that's that my great. My parents kept that, and it has the handwritten, you know, the handwritten price and everything on it with the, the business card. Awesome. How, how about uh, how about you, Ryan? Well, I'm not going to second that, even though I agree with him. Um, <laughs> I think another, you know, I, I can't go for, I'm not going to go for value. I'm going to go for significance for memories. Um, I honestly would have to say uh, the next best thing, other than the Yak Face, would probably be the uh, the Death Star Gunner. Awesome. So that that's the a similar, like, connection that you had? Well, that was the power of the force figure we found in the shoebox in my parents' basement. Oh, right. All right. Uh, All right. The beginning of the, uh, the beginning of the interview. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. Our gears kind of turning on the whole thing. Right. Awesome. And then the the final question is the one that usually takes the most the most thought. So this is a existential question. You have to look into yourself and and see. You have to look into the mirror and see past the face and into the soul. Okay. If Ooh. if you were a vintage Star Wars item of memorabilia or toys, whatever. If you, if you are a vintage Star Wars item, which one would you be? Not which one would you like to be, but if you had to describe your essence, your soul, yourself, as a vintage Star Wars toy or memorabilia, what would you be? I would say an AT-AT because it's probably the most durable toy. Okay. My son plays with it all the time, so I'm always, you know, my... My son's name is Luke, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I somehow got that one past my wife. Um, <laughs> but I would say an AT-AT. I think it's a durable toy. It's the most well-designed toy, in my opinion, out there. Um, has the most play value. 
eh, you know, sometimes it gets a few screw looses like me, uh, right. <laughs> missing a couple parts, you know, as I get older. Um, it's, uh, I just love it. I just think it's, I, I, you know, it's striking. It's, um, you know, you can, you can almost, uh, give it some, some sort of like personification as like a dog or some sort of, uh, animal. Right. Um, and the fact that, you know, no spoilers, but you know, something similar was seen in a recent movie. Oh no, um, we're, we're spoiling. I feel like the, no worries about that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think the time, just the timeless design of it, is so multifunctional, and uh, it's just amazing. And um, I said "and um" a lot, didn't I? No, don't worry about it. Yeah, because I'm saying I'm thinking about it. It's funny. I'm, I'm tempted to go upstairs and grab it. I have it right on the uh, the first floor. <laughs> my kid to play with. My wife yelled at Adam tonight because he's trying to, to rip off the chin guns and, and hide them under the couch like he typically does. <laughs> That's, That's cool. why they're always missing, too. It's interesting when you have young children that you let play with uh, complete vintage um, you know, vehicles. And, and I don't want to play with the weapons, but the vehicles I do. And every single piece that has, you know, that you see them parceled out on eBay for, for ridiculous prices are the pieces that he rips off and hides under the couch or the chair. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, I would be an ad at. Sorry, I get completely off track when I no, no, answer it, questions. It, it's but. all good. Okay, and how, how about you, Ryan? Um, honestly, I would say that I would be the fortune teller Yoda. Okay. Wow, that's <laughs> uh, no one's ever said that before. Because um, I've gone a lot of different different directions in my life, but I think the fortune teller Yoda started started to be sentimental. But my brothers kind of kept me in on my toes. Okay. And kind of always like showed me the way of like doing the force, and kind of gives me the aim to go in the right direction. If even if I may not always listen to it, is at least gives <laughs> me the right advice. And so I think that maybe the force tell Yoda because it 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 it's Yoda. It's um you know the 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 most uh I guess level headed being in the galaxy and in my galaxy the most level-headed being would probably be my brother oh my you have a messed up galaxy you live in good <laughs> lord <laughs> no idea <laughs> uh, so, so you're saying i'm small i have a uh i have a spinal back problem i have poor posture <laughs> and i'm extremely old and wise i appreciate yeah, it <laughs> Wow, awesome. Well, listen, that this has been very great. I totally feel like I understand who the hell you guys are. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think a lot of people are, are going to be really happy to hear this because uh, it's um, it's just really cool to hear newer voices. I mean, not really that new, but but newer than uh, newer than a lot of people we have on first time on, but definitely not the last. And if you ever just want to like tell a story, you can even just come on and just you know tell a story for five minutes and just go off because uh it's cool hearing what's going on out there yeah but, thank uh, you guys thank you guys so much for, but, for yeah our pleasure uh, we, we, we love telling stories you gotta get next time we talk you gotta get some of ryan's wacky and crazy stories oh we absolutely about little, a little about little adventures i send him on trust me <laughs> some of the ones that he's got stories of are, are, are shocking to oh, say we, the least but yeah, um absolutely will Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. Well, Steve, uh, 
Sometimes when we do an interview, I think it's going to be great, and it ends up being not that interesting. And sometimes we do an interview, and I don't know what to expect, and it's just outstanding. That interview was so great. Yeah, no, those guys are a lot of fun, and, and just hearing the whole brother connection actually was really. I have a lot of connections to that too. My younger brother and I kind of shared our collection growing up, but we didn't. Obviously, didn't stick stick together on it, but he still loves it. But it was just great to, to hear something that was so similar、um, to me. And, and yeah, those that was a really, really, really fun conversation. Yeah, that that was super fun. So I think we can、uh, I think we can、uh, get into the the meat of the show, Steve. <laughs> Basically, we're gonna watch you already through the meat. Yeah. So it, we is this like a double double? This is like a yeah, maybe. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So, so they were the first patty of a double double,、um, and then now we're going to get the second patty, which is essentially all of our normal features. Yes. Right. <laughs> so yeah, let's just go through them quickly because we don't need to spend、okay. like you know super long amount of time. Because, no, no. Because really, that interview lasted、so. a lot longer, and I really could have kept going. I mean, I could have just kept yeah, going because、no. I could tell they have so many good stories. And man, I got to tell you because the thing is to me, right, is like. I just didn't. Un- I didn't know who they were, and so it's just great. They're just like, "Hey, this is who we are," and they're not like aggressive about it, but they're just they're just who they are. Know, yeah,、great. yeah. Okay, so why don't we、uh, listen to a nugget? Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. From the archive. You are like obsessed with this Meccano catalog thing. <laughs> I don't understand like what it is. I don't understand why you're obsessed with it. Okay.、Um, what what is this thing that you're you're talking All、right. about? All right. So in terms of finding stuff for for Leia Bausch, it was a little tough on the archive. But one of my favorite things I remembered from years back that I just completely forgot about was this. Image from a 1983 Meccano catalog that has, you know, the the whole run of the 65 back characters, and a lot of them are like early versions. So you have the the infamous、uh, Luke in Jedi robes that has is painted brown, that 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 whole thing, and then you right, have we've talked about that on several episodes. Yes, yes.、Um, and then Clatu、uh, is called Woof, Woof, and in, you have the of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the two Ewoks that are are blanked out with the question marks. But then you have this other figure that is not labeled. It's got the question mark <laughs> on it, and it le- it leads into that whole like, you know, thing you would make sense. Like, yeah, you don't want to spoil it being Leia, but then you do. But anyway, th- it just made me laugh because the silhouette is so like. <laughs> Over the top and and obscure, it looks nothing like what what you would think the figure would look like. It has these crazy like antenna, and it's it looks even sh- it looks like the same size as an Ewok almost. <laughs> But right, what it, it so, was for was for Leia. So, so once again, I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, Steve is just going translate, toe, translate, toe, translate. Toe. I'm going to translate.、Yeah. Just say things a lot、right. more clearly because I'm a teacher. Okay. So this is an image of all the 65 back figures, and most、right. of them are hard copies or or pre-production figures, and、right. you ha- or you know first shots. And so you have the Luke in the unproduced brown color, the Luke in Jedi robes. Yep. And the The great thing is, in this group shot, 
they have the traditional two Ewoks blacked out. So yes. if you have a 65A back, which is one of the most common Return of the Jedi card backs, they blurred out uh, Chirpa and mm-hmm. um, other Ewok. Who's the other Ewok? Logre. 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 Chirpa yeah. and Logre, right? So they blocked them out so that people didn't see them before the movie, which is funny because these days, like, Everyone would know what an Ewok is like a year beforehand. <laughs> right. They're trying to keep the suspense. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Earlier in this very episode, we talked about, well, why did they show Princess Leia was Boosh if Kasdan and Lucas were deciding to keep it as a secret? Right. Well, this is an indicator that at the early stages, they were probably going to actually black out Boosh as well. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Where it fits into that, that puzzle. And, and this is just a stupid side note, but when I saw this thing, the first thing I thought of was that terrible early nineties movie, uh, spaced invaders about those dumb Martians that land in like Iowa or something. But this like silhouette looks like it would be one of those characters. Yeah. And so the silhouette looks like they took an Ewok with its two ears, cut it in yes. half, and then put Leia Bush's legs on it. <laughs> right, right. It really does not – you know what? This would be a good vintage uh, T-shirt if you wanted to really confuse people. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah. it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Steve, that, that is absolutely a great nugget from the archive, and it's not a nugget that's worth money. It's a nugget no. that is knowledge. Exactly. Okay? exactly. Just Leia Bush <laughs> – Probably because the the Logre and Sherpa were not shipped with the rest of the sixty five A backs, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that would that would make sense. And then once they're once they're out in the open, there there they are on the back of the card back, um, right? So for then, the beat. yeah, it's possible that they would have done that with Bush. I've never heard that before. I've never yeah. seen the evidence of it. If you know more about it, uh. Res- to our Facebook page or YouTube page or, you know, just don't. I, just contact us. You know, yeah. Steve, I've started paying more attention to our Facebook messages, so maybe just message us through Facebook. Yes. Because I'm apparently giving up and just kissing Mark Zuckerberg on the mouth every single day. Um, <laughs> I just take him by his zip-down hoodie and I just say, Mwah, because I, I'm just giving all my money to him. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know when this turned into homoerotic fanfic oh. but it did it's all right, so it did. <laughs> i can't help it the man works out he speaks chinese he's a great guy um <laughs> now how about uh, the unloved items you don't hate only the unloved hate the unloved and the unnatural the unloved and the unnatural Okay, so um, as I was saying, it, it, the stuff with with Bausch is a little boosh is a little tough to find on the archive. But one thing that you know, I you know how much I love Sigma stuff. I think we've talked about it many times before. But something I hadn't really given much attention to was this line of Sigma ceramic figures that they did for Return of the Jedi. They're just just basic statues, um, and they did one for for Boosh and. It is like the most docile, like calm iteration of the character I've ever seen. Like, it is yeah. not threatening in any way. Like usually when you think of this character, you think of the the thermal detonator, you think of, you know, kind of badassness. And this 
it's just so different. And I, I don't know. I just thought that, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, it's it's true because the there's a I feel like Bush was included in a lot of imagery affiliated yes. with the movie. Right. Um, but it, it is it, it does seem to be kind of a split between having the helmet on and having the helmet off. Yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of like, hey, we we only have one female in our entire thing. Universe. You know, cover yeah. her up so you don't even know that she's female. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. She looks yeah. kind of dopey, actually, on, on this. Agreement. Yeah. She's kind of like, yeah. I'm here. I don't know if you've seen any of the others in this line, but they all look kind of dopey. It's just, it's just funny. Like I don't understand I don't know. what these are. So they're they were, they were figures. Yeah, I mean they're they're just ceramic little figurines, and they're all very you know simple in design and and also like stature. Like they don't have any. They're not very dynamic at all, and they're not weird enough to be Sigma, like for the Empire Strikes Back kind of stuff. You know, like these are just so—I I don't know. Like they, they seem like like Christmas ornaments or something. That, yeah. That's the kind of vibe I get. That you but, can't um, hang on a tree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's like the worst definition of a toy. It's like a Christmas <laughs> ornament that you, you can't, can't hang, hang on, on a tree. Because <laughs> Christmas ornaments are always like really lame toys but you can hang them on a tree yeah i mean they still have that going for one thing i really enjoy is the is the emperor one because oh yeah usually when the emperor is sitting it's the emperor sitting in his throne but he looks like an old man like he's sitting down he looks like he just said like oh christ like he looks like he's about to like stick his hand down the waistband of his sweatpants. Oh you know? no! He's like, oh Jesus, I use pork rinds. <laughs> yeah. Oh my it, God, you are so right. <laughs> that's an amazing picture. This is why you gotta watch the show on YouTube or watch the enhanced version, people, because yeah. uh, oh. seeing the look on his face. He's just you like, you need this. Yeah. You you need this for for the what is your emperorium the thing. <laughs> Mr. Palpatorium's fully armed and operational Aurorium. Yes, that. <laughs> yes, I, I do need that. If, if anyone knows where one is, uh, send me uh, send me a message on Facebook. Yeah. Um, uh, should I start talking about <laughs> about my love affair with Mark Zuckerberg? No, I'll keep going. Uh, let's let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we have a market watch, do we? Uh, I have a, a a brief one if if you want. I, what Mike's been doing is uh, kind of a retrospective on the figures that we we missed. So I, what I thought we could do is I pulled two items for. Uh, each of the last three figures. So I have two Luke Jedi's, two Akbar's, and two Bushes. I love it, Steve. And, let's keep going. All right. This episode all right. started off a little bit jittery, and <laughs> I feel like we've really hit our stride. One dollar flicks. Market watch. Okay, so now do you just want me to to just feed you the information, or do you want to try and even do a guess? Do a what do you want to do here? Oh yeah, it's always good. To, it's always good to do a guess, and right. uh, I think what we'll do is if it's foreign, I have to get it within uh, within a hundred. Okay. If it's <laughs> uh, domestic, I have to get it within twenty. All right. And if it's a prototype or display, I have to get it within a thousand. That sounds fair. And that's right. me getting it. Okay. 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 So I'm gonna I'm gonna call this the Return of the Jedi Market Watch 
Brisbane, Brisbane medley. How about a feedback? Um, <laughs> that works too. Um, all right, so Luke Jedi. Yes. Up first, we have a 65A carded figure that is not graded. Uh, it looks to be in quite nice shape overall. The bubble is yellow, but there's one added detail, and that this is uh, part of Rick Springfield's collection. So that's that's a little different. And it's sold. It did sold. It did. It is sold. Yeah. It did sold. It did sold. It did okay. sold. Sky. It did sold. <laughs> Okay, now I know that that my good buddy Rick uh, commands quite a premium. Yes, I'm going to say four hundred, seven hundred and fifty. Wow, with yeah. the yellow bubble. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. With the uh, do we mark bubble. that as a victory? No. Okay. Nah. Next no. one. All right. Up 700 next. for Rick Springfield's Luke. All right. Yes. Um, okay, so the second Luke is a loose figure that is a, a graded AFA 80. It has the blue lightsaber and a snap cape. Oh, my God, Steve. How would I know this? Oh, my God. How would you expect me to know this? How should I know that? Um, <laughs> this is the this is the fun of it for me. Cause I... <laughs> yeah, Adam Crowell fans will get that one. How in the world would I know that? Um Blue, I don't know, some nut job out there spent $150? 175 There hey. you go. You're like, uh, there you go. I said within 20 Within 25 I, I'd say that this counts. That's okay. good. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so up next, we have our, our favorite fish guy. Um, first is a carded 65B, which is ungraded. Uh, but it looks really, really nice. Uh, it's unpunched. The bubble is clear. Uh, looks to be in, in very, very good shape. Okay, unpunched, bubble's clear, really good. <laughs> um, I would say 190. 155. So, hey, <laughs> not quite, but that's, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. That's I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a high yeah. price for for a popular character. Okay. Yeah. Next one for horrible. All right. So up next, <laughs> uh, up next we have a uh, AFA graded seventy five mailer. So this is the 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 mail away. It has the the white box, the figure in the baggie, the little uh, flyer that says Revenge of the Jedi, the little flyer about the figure, and the uh, the collection catalog that has the Hoth battle scene, but it's all it's graded in, in as one kind of long framed piece. Okay, so forty eight Bs and forty eight Cs. You'd send it away, and you get one of these. Okay, I didn't mean that to rhyme. I regret it instantly. I can't stop, Steve. Oh, somebody help me! <laughs> I think it's time for you to do another. Um... <laughs> what am I? What am I thinking of? Your Ugnut. Oh yeah, slam. Yeah, no, actually, don't. I, I don't. I didn't no. say that. Just, no, just no. keep going. I hit. I, I don't have to do it just because you said it. Right. <laughs> I've slammed like knots enough today. Um, <laughs> so I would say somebody paid two hundred dollars for it. Two hundred and forty-five. So your 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 barometer is not far off. I'm generally within fifty. All yeah, right. that's yeah. a lot of money for a mailer, but it does look nice displayed like that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Last two are our figure of the month. Um, so we have a 65B uh, Leia uh, 
Boosh, which is graded AFA 80, but the kicker is it's the Sukuda version. So on the back, it has the Japanese uh, Sukuda Return of the Jedi sticker on the bottom. Right, and if you ever go back and listen to our Japanese episode, where like I episode to, two, right? <laughs> yes, three or four. I went yeah, to Japan. Yeah. I interviewed Aimee Takeda. Uh, only now do I realize that in Japan, you're not supposed to ask yes or no questions because they will always say yes. It's very impolite to say no in, in Japanese culture. So I asked him, like, so they made Sakuda stickers for every character? He's like, yes. Chewbacca? Yes. Darth Vader? Yes. Like he said all of them. So I don't actually know what <laughs> figures were made with Japanese Sakuda stickers. Oh, no. I, I listened to that interview. I'm like, ooh, I wish I knew that beforehand. <clears throat> but definitely Leia Bush is one of the more common Sakuda stickers. So Sakuda made uh, – was, was the distributor of Star Wars toys in Japan. Um, right. There is lots of good information about Japanese Star Wars toys, but just any yes or no question, you can just <laughs> occur. Um, now, this is a great figure. This is actually rare. This is actually interesting. Um, I will say 300. 275. So not not far. That's that's a good that's a good guess. I get really close with these. Yeah, that's you're good. you're getting good. You're getting good at this. Um, okay, so the last item for this uh, three-pack is a uh, first shot of the figure. Um, it's described as being hand-painted. Uh, it has copyright markings, and it's sold on Facebook uh, recently. Wow, Steve, nice, nice market expansion. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike's getting into the, the Facebook realm of things with, with his... His sales data, so it's. I mean, there's definitely stuff on there that that's worth mentioning, just like this. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me think, like you know, like Mark Zuckerberg or I. You know, we're just oh God, that. stop, <laughs> stop it! Leave Mark alone, okay? Just, just stop. Listen, it used to be it's a love that dare not speak its name. Now it's a love that dare speaketh its name on many Facebook groups. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, me and me and the Zuck. Um, First of all, let's say one more thing before we tell you the price of a first shot uh, Leia Bush. There used to be a huge collector of Leia Bush items named Rasmus yes. Holt. Yes. And Rasmus Holt is a great guy. He sold me the Power Droid proof that I recently sold. Um, he had an amazing run of Leia Bush stuff, but he sold it out, and there isn't any super public collector who collects Leia Bush. Um, right. I know that Brock uh, said, oh, well, he gave a name of somebody, but I don't know if that person wants to be outed as a as a Bush collector. So I, I don't know that. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say that, that we, uh, that we didn't really have any super Bush collectors. And this yeah. first shot probably came from him because he had like seven or eight yeah, yeah first no, shots. He had a, a crazy... Um, run on this figure and in the show notes I, I found an old rebel scum thread that a lot of that's in there just just for reference i'll we'll throw that in the show notes too um, i mean that guy but, that guy had more boosh than the 70s porno mag um, <laughs> oh boy it's getting late <laughs> what um uh, how do you pronounce boosh okay uh okay first shot um Okay, so I, I get to get within a thousand to be right here. <laughs> I'm gonna say three thousand. 
Nine hundred. <laughs> Bargain. <laughs> okay, well, at least I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm. A, I'm glad you you were wrong. Well, Nine hundred for a first shot. Last yeah. yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you, Mike, for uh, for doing that. I don't think we had anything from Fantastic Pete. Not this month. Yeah, um, but. but um... Fortunately, we had the Lemcools on, who have a very similar radio-ready voice. So, you know, I feel like we have Pete in spirit here. Yes. It's always difficult when two people whose voices should not be listened to talk to people whose voices should be on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve. Well, you know, uh, I think it's time for feedback, and I don't really have that much feedback. How about you? There isn't a lot. Um... Not much. There's a little bit from Canada, if you want to get to that. Sure. Let's get to I would say that we generally are not getting a ton of feedback right now for the show. I don't know what that is. Um, do you have any idea, Steve? I, I don't know. Is it just that we're everyone is spread out so much? Is that? I mean, I think people are still... I think they're still listening, but yeah, yeah, I, I think they are, <laughs> um, and they could also be listening to the other podcast, uh, Vintage Rebellion. They came out with another episode, um, and uh, I, I will say this, Steve: um, we are the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast, right? Right. <laughs> I'm not saying that we should have right of first refusal over everything that happens in the hobby, okay? <laughs> but it would be nice. If we had the right of first refusal for the goddamn Star Wars Collectors Archive. Uh, this is the second yeah. time that we've been scooped on, our, on the, our own site of people who wrote blog posts just posting and going over there. And things we don't like to talk about the same stuff that they do every month. Like we try and switch it up because we don't want to feel like the car wash at ESPN like Steve says. So our <laughs> somebody who I used to consider a friend, Yehuda. Uh, went on the show to talk about Colombian Yuppie toys. Um, and it was I'm sure it was a great article. Um, I've read it, but I'm going to pretend like I didn't. I'm sure what he wrote is great. But uh, <laughs> he went on there to, to talk about it. So I feel like we don't really have much to say about that because we don't want to take away from them. So you should listen to him talk on the Vintage Rebellion podcast about the Yuppies um, because I'm sure he did a great job on their podcast. <laughs> Anyways, nothing against those guys. This is all on Yehuda. Um, but he did tell me one thing, Steve. Okay. He told me that there's something that he's been holding back. Yehuda's but, been holding back? Yes, there's ah. something about Yuppies that he has not told anybody. <laughs> so if you don't know, Yuppies are uh, uh, toys that came out during the Dark Era. So after the Vintage Era, but before the Modern Era in Colombia and they're little tiny plastic unarticulated toys that are based off of Kenner toys. Right. And they come in many different colors and it's hard to get all the colors there. Okay. So go to the Star Wars Collectors Archive blog and read his write-up. Okay. But we are going to add him to this call and I'm going to call him. And I told him I wasn't going to warn him because I'm, I'm mad at him. But this is the thing. <laughs> We're going to have a five-minute limit because you can't start Yehuda. Okay, so just get going. Okay? This, this so is true. I'm just going to call him at his house right now. We're going to see how this goes. going to keep this recording. Is it recording still? All right. Uh, we'll see if it's dialing. I think so. We'll see if it's dialing. See if he answers. Probably won't answer. <laughs> He's not answering. 
He's not answering. I can't believe it, Steve. <laughs> He's not. Okay. This is unbelievable. Uh... This is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, is it, is it even dialing? It's like I said. Um... I don't hear it. Do you hear it? Call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging uh -oh. system. Seven, one, four, three, zero, two, one is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. You trollop. You two-bit, no-good trollop. You go around spreading all your knowledge to everybody but the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast. It's cool. It's cool. And then I confront you. And then what do you say? Oh, wasn't that serious? Oh, I save all the best stuff for you, honey. Don't worry. I bring it home. But what do you bring me? <laughs> nothing. I call. I get nothing. Steve over here is crying. Okay. Oh, I'm weeping. He's really upset. Okay. I had to break the news to him that you were on the other podcast instead of our podcast. It, it's just unacceptable. So we're gonna we're gonna get a new Yehuda, okay? He's gonna be called Nehuda, and he's gonna have a great collection, and he's gonna hang out with my kids and stuff all the time, and he's gonna have an awesome time, okay? And he'll be on the podcast. So, so there. So we're casting for a Nehuda, okay? So whoever, you know, what? I think I think Ross Cuddy would be a great Nehuda. What do you think, Steve? He's a, he's a good candidate, sure. I think so. So anyways, you're officially fired from being Yehuda. <laughs> um, you just have to be old Huda. Um, no, that's not nice. I can't be that mean. So anyways, Yehuda, um, I'm actually recording the show right now with Steve, and you said that you had something special to say, but I guess you'll say it next month probably on the Bounty Hunters podcast or on Galaxy of Toys <laughs> or uh, Forcecast or, uh, I don't know, uh, some other podcast. <laughs> All right. Remove from group. Well, that was fun, Steve. I wonder if I'll keep that yeah. in. <laughs> I, uh, you know, part of me really hopes you do. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, whenever it has happened where you've left a message... <laughs> It's up on the show. I don't know. Those are watershed moments in, in yeah. the Kive cast. Uh, well, you know, it's it's fine. I mean, I know at one point uh, Ron went on there to talk about the sculpts and stuff, but we'd already talked about it. But it wasn't like breaking a story over there. But whatever. We're, we're all good <laughs> friends. We're all, you know, I get along with those guys now. So I'm not mad about that. It's more just the the brand, Steve. I'm trying to build the brand. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, Space Freaks, since Steve and I recorded that voicemail, Yehuda did contact me with the new information about the Yuppies. Um, apparently, the same company that made Yuppies also made a snack called Cheetos, C-H-I-T-O. And uh, what's interesting is they would also put little rubber figures in those as well except they'd be from all different kinds of different lines, like He-Man or Woody Woodpecker, stuff like that. But the Star Wars ones only came in the snacks called Yuppies. So what he sent was a link to a commercial for Cheetos in which you hear them talk about all the different kinds of characters that you can collect and have. So let's listen to that commercial. 
Pingüi, el pollo Carlos, todos los personajes del pájaro loco tienen ahora los paquetes de chitos. Y también los de Jimán. Son lindas figuritas plásticas. Y coleccionar. Chitos es de Jack Snack, sabor y frescura para confiar. The neat thing about that is they say, uh, para jugar y coleccionar. So, to play with and to collect. So, that's pretty fun. So, thank you, Yehuda, for that. And also, Space Freaks, I have some brand new news. So, uh, there's going to be a new podcast on the feed. Um, what happened was, uh, Ron has released this just amazing article all about these undiscovered Ewoks. And uh, he put it on the, the blog for the archive. And I said, hey, you know, you should be on the show. And he's like, well, I'm going to be on the Vintage Rebellion next month. Not about that, but it might come up. And I kind of lost my mind a little bit, and I got really frustrated. And again, it's nothing against them. It's just, you know, it's the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog. It's not the, the Vintage Rebellion blog, right? So I realized the problem is is that, you know, it's as always, the problem is with me. It's not with anybody else. You know, it's not really clear, like, when we're going to record something and what we care about. So we're announcing something brand new. It's called the Kivecast Blog Log. Uh, we came up with that name. Arrested Development fans will understand the joke there, the half joke. So what it is, is every time there is a blog post that comes out from the Star Wars Collector's Archive, Steve and I are going to, or just me, I don't know which one, but we're going to interview the writer of that blog post. So that instead of missing Yehuda and having him go over to the other podcast, he would have just recorded a 10 to 15 minute thing about the article, a couple funny stories, uh, and then put it out. And then it doesn't matter if he goes on other places because, you know, we're not being scooped on our own content. And uh, so look, look to your feed. Uh, probably within the week that I release this, I'm going to be interviewing Ron about the, uh, the undiscovered Ewoks. It's a real kick in the kink. So that is what's happening. So instead of complaining about it, we're doing something about it. So look for your feed for Kivecast blog logs. <laughs> it's still funny to me. I wonder if it'll stop being funny. Uh, people who listen will probably know it will always be funny to me. So let's get back to the feedback with uh, Steve. Okay. All so, right. So you said you had some Canadian uh, information about Akbar. Yes. Okay. So uh, Scott. Our good friend Scott uh, chimes in on Rebel Scum. Um, he was happy about us kind of getting back to uh, the normal, the normal routine with the figure of the month. So yeah, we're, we're back, hopefully back on that track. But um, although uh, we haven't really talked about Bush at all this episode, but that's okay. <laughs> we're we're giving it a try. Um, okay, so uh, what Scott had to, to chime in on, especially you know, particular to Akbar, was that. Uh, their Akbar mail-in offer was actually only available on cards as a sticker for the, the ESB and uh, Return of the Jedi uh, transition cards, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, and that it also came late to Canada. It expired on August 1st, 1983. Um, so it's, it's just a slight, like many things, just a slight difference that, that is good to know about. So Wait, so um, it only came out on the transition cards? Yeah, yeah. So... You have the the Empire Strikes Back cards that have the Return of the Jedi sticker affixed to the front, and then the Akbar offer is uh, a sticker. It's a different version of the sticker. It doesn't have an image of the character; it just has the the text. And then on the back, it has the offer with the image of the figure, 
stuck to the bottom. Yeah, that's that's just amazing. I never realized. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, that the I actually did have a forty-seven back Chewbacca, except it's a transition card, so it's uh, a it's a four lom offer with the Akbar offer over it. So it's like this oh. cool double offer. Um, that's cool. But yeah, that's the only way they got it was with that transition card. So really, yeah. if I collect forty-eight Bs. I'm basically collecting yeah. bar stickers, so I need to collect transition cards. That's, that's I didn't. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to <laughs> break that to you that way, but I, that is kind of what I was thinking. This is kind of your next step. I am going to say this, Steve. The ratio of rarity and coolness to price on the transition stickers is totally out of yeah. whack. They is are, it? Yeah, I mean they don't sell for that much. I don't think they. They. I don't think they usually go for over a grand. Hmm. And they're really rare, and they're super cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I, I just think, and you know, I don't remember seeing them all that often ever. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, I think that was a good, uh, I think that was a good, good bit of feedback. Um, and I think this has been a good show. So let, let's not, uh, let's not draw it out. Uh, wampa Wampa. Adios. <laughs> With its colorful Star Wars picture display band and the